Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, the place about games, friends, and getting better. Your regular host, Ben Hansen, he's on paternity leave for four more weeks. In the meantime, I'm Kyle Bossman. I'm your guest host. This week, we are joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. Jenna Stieber. Hello. And a first timer, Eric Silver. What's up? What Very is up, everyone? How, yeah. How are we all feeling? Pretty good. So excited to be doing a podcast now. <laughs> Caffeinated. I'm ready for a new reign of terror. We had yeah, this is a, a, new, a new Kyle. Reign. Yeah. I've not uh, hosted a podcast in over three years. Whoa. So I'm a little, yeah, a little, shaking the little dust rusty, off. you know? Yeah. yeah, shaking some dust off. Uh, today we have a stacked episode, though, so my job's easy. We got Pikmin 4 we're going to talk about today. Mario Kart 8, which I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, Barbie. Presumably Barbie movie, but we can talk a lot more about Barbie if we want to. And then Halls of Torment. Really excited to hear about that as well. But we prepped for Pick Cross. Is this the right episode? <laughs> I know. No, 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 no. It's I always only, the right episode. Oh my Anytime. god! I only am thinking about Pick Cross. I I mixed up my notes. So sorry. <laughs> what was crazy? So I was listening to those episodes, right? So previous two Minmax shows have been about Pick Cross, and I'm like, I could like, why aren't they finishing their puzzles? You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I like I'm I, so I presumed I'm not like a Picross guy, right? But I've finished like nine Picross games the last night that come out a hundred percent, and I'm like, why? Why am I like? What's wrong with all these like Picross scrubs? <laughs> like you want to listen? Question. I mean, are you really ready for the answer? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you like, mean from a Picross standpoint, or just like what our whole general deal is? It'd be okay. So it's like it's, it, it, to me, it sounded like if I did a, a podcast about like building barns. You know what I mean? And it's like, Kyle, you don't know how to like build a barn. How is it like that? <laughs> uh, just just the general like just the perception of the skill level of the MinMax podcasters and their Picross abilities. Okay, so you. Whoa, whoa, this whoa. Is your Who said I had to be good at any of these games? Because I'll log off right now. Okay, <laughs> I got other things I can do. Because <laughs> no, 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 no. like, no, no, no. I I liked I, I like I like that. I like you know. You need the the wide variety of the experience levels. You know what I mean. Um, but hell no, and, and we're you, not talking you're about saying that we only had the dregs. You're saying that you need a wide variety yeah. and we only had people who were bad and uncommitted to them. This the is... people who are like, I've, I basically, I know the shape of a barn. Yeah. Like that's that level. Yeah. Games journalism. No <laughs> one's actually good at games. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a strange. No, okay. 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 No, this was so the final me... frontier of gaming. No, 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 no. Actually. I don't want to be like, <laughs> do you really like right. these little puzzles? It's such, such a bad note to start on. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not about it's not about skill level. It's about dedication to the bit. Right? You know what I mean? It's like if, if like you're gonna do the thing, like you gotta like you gotta. That's gotta. And be they it. always say that, don't they? That's always. It's always like, oh no 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 no. It's not oh like I'm God. saying you can't. <laughs> Listen, I guess I could just reveal things to myself. I could be like, wow, I so enjoyed playing an hour of Pikmin 4 and then, look at this, it's a picture of a bard. <laughs> I just don't get it. I'm playing video games. I, I, I know. I'm playing Halls of Torment. I'm playing Vampire Survivors. I don't have time for Picross. Wait, so that whole bit, this whole thing, you actually did not ever play, you did not prep any Picross. I just can't believe two full games, game video game episodes were about Picross. I was joking. No, okay. I was okay. <laughs> it was one and a half. It was one and a half. Picross is fun, so I don't know what the heat is. 
I like the word how I was saying get good about pick cross. I'm I, glad yeah, I guess it's like if you're going to go, I get the sentiment. It's like if you're going to go for it, yeah. go all the way. You wanted deepest dive pick cross, and that's we gave exactly you like, right. yeah, what I've been exactly playing right. pick cross. You wanted the lore. You wanted us to like look at the apple and be like, this is me, everyone. I made 8 million of these. I don't know how to do that with pick cross. I don't. Have you ever considered that you're the broken one and that everyone else is normal? <laughs> me, oh my god, yeah. Me, Jenna, Absolutely. or him, Kyle? Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extremely broken. Jenna. Can Aww. I be honest with you? Yeah. And we're going Please. to talk about Pikmin 4. The impression I get about MinMax is that it's like a very like mentally healthy community and like podcast. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Uh-oh. Maybe. So... <laughs> So I do feel like I feel like such a like a strange little gremlin goblin hosting this show. You know what I mean? Like oh, I, that yeah. element is. Yeah. Well, you so are. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> I think that's like this is stunt casting. I think that's why Hanson wanted me in here. OK, OK. Uh, People are a lot more leveled than I expected coming from other spaces of the Internet. But yeah. I'm the yeah. least leveled person on the show. So you're like in good company. <laughs> I was also worried about being incredibly unleveled on this show as a guest. I did not think <laughs> I'd be able to do that. I, I The thing that blew me away the most about Picross and Kyle, please let me know if this transition will help you, is the little RPG elements on the Pokemon one. How it's like there's like five currencies on top of Picross, which is also how I felt weird about Pikmin 4, how are we putting RPG elements into the game where we throw little plant aliens at monsters? What a life raft. Thank you, Eric Silver. Podcast for bringing us, I got you. Thank you for bringing us back into Pikmin 4. Uh, Pikmin 4 is a big, you know, it's a big release of the week. It's the, the big new game. Uh, fourth in the series. Uh, who's been enjoying Pikmin 4 on this panel? I have. But now I'm a little scared. I'm like, I'm not enough days in. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, because that's, that's I Come messed on, I up. I 11 days. I'm sorry. I acknowledge I messed up. I got to accept that. You know what I mean? I tried a bit. <laughs> it bombed. The bit bombed. And I got to accept that. But no, that's not my true intent. That's not my true like opinion. Any time spent playing Pikmin 4 is legitimate. And a good time. We're only gatekeeping. We're only gatekeeping Pick Cross. You can yeah. be as good as you want at Pikmin 4. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, yes, I've I've played two of the stages, um, like the first one and then the one with all the cherry blossoms. Ooh. And I've unlocked the third one. I haven't played it yet. Ooh. Um, what would we say? All right. So, like, uh, you know, Pikmin, it's weird. It's an iconic Nintendo franchise, but it doesn't live up to the popularity of the other ones. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's pushed. It's heavily uh, marketed and merchandised, right? But, like, the Pikmin series... You know, it's at Nintendo's B tier. Yeah. And uh, I guess what, what's interesting about Pikmin 4 is it's like. They're it's like, you know, they're a little summer release here. You know what I mean? And uh, I guess what I want to frame and start this off as is like, what makes Pikmin 4 a special game? Mm. I think just how um, calm it is. I mean, there's a lot of calm and cozy games out there in the world, but I feel like Pikmin is one thing that stands out to me about what makes it special is that for me, it evokes a genuine passion for completionism and exploration hmm. outside of even like what I get for the rewards. Like I don't, I'm not like paying attention to anything in this game. Like, you know, it's a pretty straightforward game where 
you, you, you're kind of looking for who crash landed and you're picking up, you know, giant objects for those who aren't familiar with the structure and you use these little Pikmin to grab items. And, you know, there's ways that that builds that we'll get into, but that's the core of the game. And there's main missions you have and like optional things like get extra treasure. But for me, I'm like, I'm not looking at any of that. I don't know what I have to do, but I do know what I have to do and I'm just going to keep going. And I think that's really rare in a game that's not a traditional like action adventure or open world game. Mm -hmm. The areas are fairly small. And in that sense, there's a lot of linearity to Pikmin, Mm -hmm. but because it's all so slow paced and quaint and cozy, it allows you to want to kind of comb over everything in a way that I think is hard to create in such a confined space. Yeah. I mean, the puzzles, the pub, like the puzzles are, seem to be like the, it's gated almost like a Metrovania, you know, it's like find the different type of Pikmin and it will be revealed. Also the puzzles are much better. I play, I played Pikmin one and two as soon as Pikmin four was announced and then Pikmin one and two were put on the switch. So like, I've been comparing that feeling. And I think Janet, what you're saying about Pikmin four being like the apotheosis of that vibe is true because again, as I think Kyle, other Kyle said this on previous episodes being like, Hey, they're pretty honest. that like Pikmin die all the time. (laughs) And like, there's a re you're like struggling with the life rebirth cycle. And then Pikmin four, they're kind of being more chill about this and making it more human or whatever those characters are, who you're playing. Like it's more about like, people figuring it out in a in a tough situation instead of Olimar on his own. Also, like, when you're thinking about the literal fuel, so the thing you're trying to get is sparkleum, sparkleum, <laughs> which is like yeah. you get, which is the sparkles that are on things you collect, and in the first game you're trying not to die because Olimar only can breathe for 30 days, and in the second one you're trying to get money because your boss is in debt to space debtors and he has uh, taken. All time. Yeah, he has taken <laughs> the, the means of uh, production away from you, and you need to bail your uh, really dumb boss out of a terrible situation. So it's like we're leaving the kind of like stark ridiculousness of like death and why we're even here away, and trying to do this like figuring it out. Trying to we're all doing this together. We're saving people. Who is this man? Who is also a Pikmin? It's all really interesting. They're like they're stepping it up, especially because it also looks beautiful. It looks like Link's Awakening, the mm. the remake. Uh, Eric, I, I've got a question, and this is strictly for the audience, not for me. What does apotheosis mean? Come together. It all it's the the pinnacle, the most of it. Okay, that's a good word. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> apotheosis. Um. So yeah. Uh. But, but you open this by. So, okay, this is really fun because Janet says she doesn't feel stress. Like, she plays this game, doesn't feel stress. And, like, I, to me, the entire point of Pikmin is anxiety, right? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> the stress of management, the stress of dealing with this, the stress 100%. of having these lives in my hands. Um, and so it's really interesting to hear it called that way, right? That, that you know, in different hands, this game's chill. And I guess they... they <laughs> intentionally tried to make it more chill, right? They tried to remove, like, the time elements, right? You can spend as many days in this game as you want to, sure. which I think is pretty cool. Uh, you literally, the thing that's most stressful is organizing your Pikmin with the terrible AI that existed on the GameCube. And now you get to jump on a big dog who will mm-hmm. run you around. I think if that's the most stark change. I think, too, the, to me, the most stark change, I only played three Deluxe. Um, the rewind mechanic... Yeah, yeah, I so haven't played clutch. three. Yeah. Um, which, like, 
that and because I'm 99% sure that wasn't in three because I would have probably used it at some point. But and also to the availability of just so the big challenge, quote unquote, in this game, besides trying to make sure that the Pikmin don't die either through like elemental damage, like they drown or something or um, an enemy eats them. Other than that, the only other challenge is having your crew together before the day ends. And you can do that very old school and do the, you know, there's an in-game timer for like the day cycle. And it'll be like, it's nighttime soon. And you could grab all your buddies and you run back to your ship and you have to be in a little safe zone for them not to get like eaten when you fly away. But now, as long as you grab everybody and have them in your party, basically, like they're not, you know, there's not someone 80 feet on the other side. You can just go to the menu and hit end day. And then they're like, and now you're just done. Like, you don't have to do any of that racing back at all, which I think really, like you, we've already mentioned, they've really cut down on the small bit of stress that was present. It's kind of optional now. Like, you could still play it that old school way if you wanted to, but you don't have to. Uh, say, what? In, Go ahead. I will say in one and two, sorry, Kyle. In one and two, you can, there is like a redo the day thing, but it's really yeah. just, hey, do you want to save scum? which the answer Uh, is always yes i want to say but yes i don't know if anyone has pinned down like how the rewind exactly works it's like every couple of minutes or something like that it's like either four minutes ago or like the day i only did it for the caves where like Mm -hmm. i really beefed it and then i had to redo it but it just reset to the beginning of like the stage in the cave um, also, I want to say Caves came in Pikmin 2, so it was even wilder see, like, just seeing the whole progression of this thing. Also, in Pikmin 2, it was just, like, genuinely a cave. You're like, I don't know, jump in there. <laughs> and now it's, like, this, like, tube on Earth, or the same Earth that Kirby 64 was set on, where everyone died. I don't really know. I'm not really sure, but yeah. It's, it's... a big year for Nintendo and going underground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. They're like, just keep digging, and yeah. you're gonna get a good game. <laughs> I know. Um, I am curious about the times you rewinded, though. I think those are the most memorable and special moments in Pikmin is just when a bad thing happens suddenly. Uh, can you think of any memorable moments where you had to just suddenly, OK, I'll just rewind. I'll rewind. I, I certainly can. Um, there's something that was interesting because this felt almost like a remake because, it again, I, I made some real associations with, with Link's Awakening, the remake, because it looks exactly the same. And also, like as we're talking about Barbie and everything, how everything is just IP moving forward, right? So mm-hmm. it almost felt like this is the better, the most modern version of Pikmin with all this wonderful quality of life stuff, and then there's some different things. But I also noticed, because I just played Pikmin 1 and 2, that like there are things from those games that are in this, and the same thing happened. Uh, there is a boss in a cave that was the same boss from... One, I can't remember. I think it was Pikmin 1. And then I still died horribly. The same way. <laughs> boss is crazy. I don't want to, I don't, can I just say what it is or would that be a spoiler? It's like such in the beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah, you can say, what is with a boss? Which one? So there's one of those giant, you know, those big dudes with the red backs, with the eyes, right? Like the main Pikmin boss. Oh, yeah. yeah. Floor blood. Think- so there's, there's always one that is like so overfed and massive and it's a big log and then it rolls all the way to one side and swishes your Pikmin and rolls all the way to the other side. It feels like something out of a Soulsborne game. It's terrifying and I hate it. But <laughs> yeah. and, and both times I died a lot. Except that every time now there's a pop-up where your captain says, you, you lost a lot of Pikmin. And I'm like, I know. 
I know. There's a lot of radio chatter. <laughs> a, a lot of radio chatter. And that was kind of annoying how it felt like a 2023 game where someone like is getting in your ear being like, hey, do you need to know how to solve this puzzle? Mm. Same thing. Kind of the same thing is happening here. And it's just annoying. I'm like, I know everyone died. I'm playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, uh, yeah, the trick is, I think, just throw it at its face, right? Like, that thing, that, if you haven't played a Pikmin game to the audience, right? Like, you have a cap. You have a limit to how many Pikmin you can have, right? Yeah. And, you know, like, early game, you're, you're stuck at 20, right? And you have to earn your, your the, the cap going up and up. But, like, that thing can just roll over and wipe out three quarters of, of your entire army. All of them. All of them, yeah. yeah. It's a weapon of mass destruction just by rolling. <laughs> so I had to restart, and then I'm like, oh, that's right. I have to do it like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we think this, all right, so a, a lot of Nintendo games have been getting a Switch bump. You know what I mean? Like, they had their most successful release ever because they're on the Switch. And, you know, like, you, you, like the Kirby. Kirby just had its most successful game ever. Animal Crossing, most successful. Like, Metroid, you know? Do we think Pikmin 4 can, like, break out? I mean, it'll probably be its most successful release like I'm de- I feel like definitely critically and likely sales wise just by you know way of having more people on the platform but I think it'll always be in that B level which to clarify like that's not to say that's not a, it's not a great game but I think when we say Nintendo's B tier it's not the the show stoppers right it's not Mario Odyssey it's not Tears of the Kingdom it's Luigi's Mansion Captain Toad which are great games and they're like kind of cult classics like when people say they like that beer, that B tier of Nintendo, it's like, okay, you're kind of a little bit cooler <laughs> than everybody else sort of thing. It's like a little, a little nod to sort of their more, I don't know, um, just not quite as high level or high demand, but still really enjoyable. So I think it'll always be that just because of sort of what it is. Um, and Metroid's an interesting comparison because Metroid is like, a tier in terms of quality and what a lot of diehard fans say, but it's B tier in terms of popularity, which no one wants to accept, but it's, it's just kind of true. Like it's sort of a niche IP despite being mega popular and very beloved. Um, but yeah, Pikmin, I think will always be in that B tier. Um, and I think that's fine. Starting to Metroid yeah. as well. That's how I felt like, Oh, I think we should just be happy that Nintendo made something. I mean, how long mm-hmm. have we been clamoring for more X zero? or FX zero, right? It's like, we should just be happy that someone decided to make a new Switch game of it, even if it felt to me like it was almost remakey. Uh, especially because the, oh my God, the tutorial of this game was like, hey folks, you and your five-year-old should play Pikmin together. It really felt like bringing on new people. And I wanted to, I was banging my head against the table during the tutorial. And I think you can tell, um, I think that you can tell like what is um, what's supposed to be like a new start for new people, which is insane because the game is like tough. Yeah, it's certainly less tough because you have a big dog with RPG elements trying to fight on your behalf, and like the hardest part, like I said, about having the Pikmin run around and not die. Um, I mean, they fix some of that, so it's certainly le- it's certainly less hard. But that's actually the the way you introduce the the game, and I think you know we got to talk about it. Is another reason it's not hard is the RPG elements. You can upgrade that dog. You can turn that dog into a godlike beast uh, if you just put enough pup points into it. <laughs> Which also can we talk? Everything in this game is so cutified. Like it's mm. such a charming 
title because everything's like, oh, and then if you want to make, and I feel like too, Nintendo does a lot of sort of dog tropes. I mean, even, um, oh my God, what's the name of this dog? Ochi. Ochi? Ochi. Yeah, yeah, Ochi, that's just Poochie in space. You know, and the, <laughs> in the, in the thing with the bone, like to kind of revive him or restore his health, that's what Polterpup does, but in reverse. Like you, you use the bone and then Polterpup can bring you back from the dead if you're Luigi in Luigi's Mansion 3 and maybe like the older ones, I don't remember. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that they kind of Within the Nintendo universe, there's sort of like little threads of shared uh, imagery or ideology or sort of mechanisms that spread across despite, um, you know, them being different games. Now, does that mean that PlayStation or cat people and Nintendo are dog people and Microsoft are like lizard people? Like they're the ones <laughs> with the oxy out. I don't think you can say and, like, lizard like, people snakes. anymore. <laughs> Oh, I know. I'm Jewish. Snake people. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe they like snakes. They like having snake pets. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Uh, That feels right to me, honestly. Nintendo planted their flag with Nintendo dogs years ago. They're clearly dog people. What about Nintendo cats? (laughs) And everyone's playing uh, Halo Halo 3 matchmaking with a big snake on their shoulders. (laughs) That's just what I'm imagining. (laughs) Okay, so, okay, not everyone who has an Xbox is a snake person, but most people who love snakes do play on Xbox. That yeah, exactly. has to be true, right? I mean, after Stray, obviously PlayStation or cat people. Like, we know, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I, I, so, when we talk about, like, trying for, Pikmin Fortage, like, try to hit this mass appeal for it, try to be modern and relevant, like, I think that's why upgrades exist there, right? Like, why you have this progression, why, like, oh, yeah, I can get better armor for my character, you know? Um, do we think those add to the game? Truly? I mean, the, the quality of life stuff was awesome. I'm so happy I don't have to deal with the terrible AI. And, like, Ochi's awesome. He's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, I, think I was impressed like, by Ochi. They're really cutting down on, like, the fiddliness and other gear. So, like, the, the Pikmin you get from the beginning are, like, ice and rock. I haven't even got blue Pikmin yet, but it doesn't matter because I can just have all my Pikmin jump on Ochi, and Ochi can swim, and then you can level up the swimming. Like, yeah. they're, it's almost like they're moving the, the problems of Pikmin, both problems, like, from gameplay and problems literally like puzzles, two different parts of it to make it as easy as possible. I thought the puzzles were great. I'm like, oh, here's an electric fence. I'm probably going to get some yellow dudes later. Like, it's, like, vaguely open world, but only in, like, the way, like I said, with Metroidvania, you're banging your head against a puzzle you can't do yet. I thought that was much more seamless than, like, wow, this, uh, in, like, Pikmin 2, this whole stage is covered in water and I don't have blue Pikmin yet. I'm like, okay, I just wasted a day. I have to go save scum now because I went to the wrong place. (laughs) Like they find, I think, although it is linear, as Janet said, I thought it was at least nice. Ooh, another quality of life thing. They, uh, you can just tell it, like, just tell me which Pikmin to bring out. Yeah. You can just click auto. It's just, just tell me, just tell me. It's like, okay, take out these three. Like, thank you. Thank you, game. I really like that too, actually. Ochi can sniff for people and treasures now, which is literally just, just a line leading you. Like, I I don't know. I think too, like, the having more of those kind of tools allows them to have more intriguing puzzles and things to do because they don't have to rely on just like, you don't have the thing yet, or you couldn't see this thing. Like even just the, and again, you could always not use those if you prefer a more a gritty, I don't know what's going on, what's going on a Pikmin for like uh, a challenge. Like, I don't know. It's just not that kind of game. Even when it is challenging, like I'm not saying the game is so easy, it plays itself or anything, but 
the challenge is very straightforward and very achievable. So I feel like, again, everyone comes to this game and all games for different reasons, but I feel like now they're at least catering towards that sensibility that is a little bit more like, I'm just here to walk around and collect things with little dudes and pick up more little dudes. But even stuff like being able to have um, one of the items that you can buy is like the little drone where you can sort of survey the area and then like mark on the map. Like stuff like that's just so helpful because it, to me, the while Pikmin is like a very casual puzzle game, the most frustrating aspect of puzzles is when you know what you have to do, but it just mm-hmm. takes a long time to do it. The worst. Or if you fail at what you want to do, And then retrying it takes a long time. And I feel like while Mm -hmm. Pikmin's quality of life changes and its items and its RPG elements make it easier to play, like the point was figuring out what to do, not the grit that it takes to do it, I feel like. It's like, do I need to have walked all the way to this side to know that I should have walked on the other side? Or can I just throw a drone up there and just know which way to walk right away? Like, is it more fun to walk the long way and maybe it is for you and then you could just do that so but you can play to kind of both of those sensibilities yeah that that was actually me i looked at that drone i said like i don't want to i don't want to look ahead i gotta walk that way you know um oh yeah i haven't used the drone either i'm 100 percent with you kyle which is weird right that's that's a weird thing though actually like it's there for us and they made it entirely optional which is neat but i'm playing this like it's like crusader kings or an rts (laughs) right like it's funny how we're talking about this it's like it's it's a puzzle game slash an rts and i'm like okay my some of these dudes are going to go here knocking down this wall and other you picking this stuff up i love that i can move the base so now they're not just running all the way across this map and then the pikmin who are there who i left will come with the base to me where i am like i I think it depends what kind of genre you say pikmin is is Mm -hmm. how you are how you're trying to play the game do you see it as a -a collectathon? do you see it as a puzzle game do you see it as an rts it's like so i'm just out here vibing i don't want to know what happens next i'm just trying to <laughs> accomplish things in various ways and once i hit a brick wall or a crystal wall as, uh, as it were uh, um sure. then you end up then you then you end up uh seeing seeing if it how you play the way you want to play um one thing i so i i think i think we i'm getting the vibe we all like this game i think it's a great game uh i i still i feel like pikmin doesn't know what's good about pikmin mm-hmm. you know what i mean I, w- I want to know if anyone on this panel like truly appreciates the your space team and their dialogue. You know what <laughs> I mean? Every single night they're just like, I have a little conversation to have. It's like I don't want to, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to listen. Like, like I would, but I, maybe that is just me. But like, does that add anything to this game for you? What was game that came out last week? I think Jenna, I think you streamed it a bunch. The one where you take photos of the pictures. Viewfinder. Viewfinder, right? There was a video going around where someone took one and then the the dialogue said, um, you can change reality and then immediately they turned off dialogue sound. (laughs) Why does every game need to have Marvel movie style quippy dialogue in it? I did not like that. I don't it doesn't have to be a joke. It doesn't, if you're not going to be funny, like stop throwing new characters at me. And that's what stopped me for the first hour and a half as everyone, as I jammed A and B telling to try to get to the part where you get to play with Pikmin. You don't get mm-hmm. Pikmin for like an hour and a half, two hours. And that drove me crazy. I will say it's the structure of the opening is very odd because... Like, when I started streaming in this, people were like, oh, it's a really slow start. And I'm like, they're like, it's too much dialogue. And I started, and I'm like, it's, this is fine. Because they start you off in, like, a tutorial area that's, like, right. a little house. Yeah. And then they go into, like, what's actually, it's kind of, that's kind of like the prelude. And they go into the actual game, and it is very chatty. Um, I do think, t- 
to the game's point, a lot of that chatter is more so to create additional exposition for people who want it. But I do wish they made how to skip it a little more forward-facing or just easier. Um, I think that's a lot of people's complaints for games, especially folks who are, you know, frankly like us, where we play a lot of games or may play a lot of a particular franchise. Like, there's always that joke of Pokemon has this come up a lot where people are always like, can I? Can there be a I played Pokemon before button and I just zoop <laughs> <laughs> past everything? But, you know... Um, yeah, it's tough. I do. Once I learned that I can hit plus like twice to hit skip dialogue, I was zooming through everything. And that's it. And I wish that they told me that before. <laughs> and you can even skip the like cutscene loady, like when the day starts. I'm guessing you didn't know that you could skip it. Like, you can <laughs> skip that. You can skip a lot. So I've just been riding the plus button and being like, I don't care about this scrub crew that's always crash landing everywhere, <laughs> every mission. How have they not been defunded yet? We could be using those resources here on Earth, okay? <laughs> they anyway, have, but they have been defunded. That's why they're so bad. At <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> it's just two talk- pieces of aluminum foil duct taped together. <laughs> Can we talk about the prologue really quickly? Yeah. The wild thing about the prolo- prologue, Janet, do you did you remember who you're playing as? Yeah, Olimar. Yeah, you're playing as Olimar, and then all of a sudden he's gone. Yeah. That felt like the most AAA RPG like style storytelling I'd ever seen. And again, I was like, why are we trying to make this Pikmin game to be a modern RPG? That's what I thought would really bother me. It's like something, it's like the same you, where you get to, you know, there's a trope. You've probably seen all of these like listicle videos where they were like top where you had all your powers and then you lost them. That's how it felt. Why did we do this to Pikmin? That was a little too good of a voice. I'm a little scared. Uh, top 10 anime betrayals. Number one. Did it mean something? I, I didn't get it. Did it mean something to you to be able to make your own character? No. <laughs> Why do I, I like okay, well, 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 I liked making my own character. Oh, I, did, all right, I, I like that. Enjoy- How much time I, did you I, put into it? No, only like a few minutes. Because it's a very minimal character creator. It's like a right. it's like less than a me level yeah, of yeah. customization. You you got like ten skin tones, like three eyes. Like it's like you couldn't spend like I am the person that if you give me a big character creator, I'm in there for like an hour. Oh, yeah. This is like you'd have you'd have to like Literally just filibuster to fill more than five minutes of time <laughs> making that character. There was I a cutscene that said, "There was a cutscene that said, you, you're the last hope. You're the last hope here.'" And yeah. I'm like, yeah. Why? No. I'm so you could emotionally buy in. It's like they don't mean anything to you. No, I'm just kidding. I, I get it. <laughs> I get that's it. That's their attempt. Yeah, they want you to emotionally buy in. Sorry, Jenna. I didn't mean. Or sorry, Jenna. I didn't mean to step on you. I've never played a Pikmin game before. It's my first Pikmin game. Uh, it was really confusing to hop in and be like, oh, "Okay, I'm Captain Olimar. Here's a little tutorial section," and then immediately be <laughs> transformed out of that. That was so jarring from somebody who has very little Pikmin context to just hop in and be like, "Okay, this is the character I'm playing. I am this captain. Here's all my Pikmin. Here's my cool little dog. I'm in love with it immediately." And then I had to watch all of that disappear like grains through an hourglass, <laughs> and I. I <laughs> And I was not wowed. I struggle in general in general with the like aesthetic style of Pikmin, which is why I've never mm-hmm. really gotten into it. And so a part of me was like, I, I'd be fine just playing Olimar. I don't know why you make me make a little character with such basic options 
this is almost worse than nothing. <laughs> I appreciate it in a, a really basic kind of way, but it, it was kind of a jarring start to this as a franchise. Jenna, I'm so sorry. I didn't, we had this whole conversation up to this point. I did not know you also were playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I, so what made you, what pulled you into Pikmin 4 when you were, you were hard out on the franchise up to this point? Uh, I've not, I've, I've, I've been so apathetic towards Pikmin is the thing is like, I just like, I, I've never really understood it or what the vibes are. So it's not like I wasn't willing to play it, but boy, Kyle Hilliard just will not shut up about Pikmin 4 and how much he's enjoying Pikmin 4 and how much he wants to. So that's what, that's Pikmin what made you pick 4. it up. Yeah. That, and I got a code. I would never have put oh, down sure, money hey. for it. Um, All right. Yeah, and so, and it's, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, this is, like, it's not, obviously not the biggest Nintendo franchise, as you've mentioned, but it, it is, like, a noteworthy Nintendo franchise that they keep bringing back. They care enough and are invested enough in it as a franchise to make a fourth one, uh, even when there are other bigger franchises that have not gotten this treatment. So, it, it seemed worthwhile to to dig into it and to give it a try and to learn what even the gameplay is just so that I better understand the gamers around me that I care about, which is all of yeah, you. Yeah, so that's what I'm curious about. So like, w let's say you plucked your first Pikmin. Was that novel? It was in a really like, in a real like visceral way, yes. Cause like the <laughs> plonk sound it makes when you pop them out is really yeah. satisfying. And it's such a quick motion. Like when, you, when you're, when the, the, a spaceship onion tomato thing plonks out like 10 Pikmin and you go and you go bloop, 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 bloop. like it's pretty satisfying I do find the Pikmin so eerie <laughs> they all yeah. look like they all look like lemon grab and I realize that's because lemon grab from Adventure Time probably was based yeah. on a Pikmin but it's hard for me to go it's hard for me to not be like I have an army of horrible little dudes that want to clamor on monsters and like pick their flesh apart to kill them, I guess. And like then carry their bodies yeah. over to the ship. That's always a little bit eerie. Did you how much did you know about this before going in then? I could like recognize the Pikmin if I saw them, but I didn't have a good sense like I didn't know that you all were aliens. I didn't have a good sense of mm. what the actual gameplay of it was. Uh, and I was very curious how that would work from, I guess, like an RTS standpoint is a good way of describing it, where it is just like you've got a horde. And I, I, I think it's remarkable how well Nintendo has programmed it and programmed these little AI guys to do what it knows that you want to be done because it has structured the game like, here's, this, here's a bunch of sap. If you shoot a bunch of Pikmin at it, the Pikmin will eat from the sap. And the fact that it will shoot out the Pikmin that need to be leveled or like healed, I don't know what it's yeah. considered. The That's fact like a little buff. Yeah. The fact that it, it sends out the ones that don't have flowers in order to get that to happen automatically and I don't have to like fuss with that is, I think, a really thoughtful design. Like, I think it has a very thoughtful design overall. I hate the aesthetics, but I'm really into the gameplay. Can I tell you when it wasn't thoughtful? Pikmin yeah. 1 and 2. <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't play you know, those games like a sap. The Pikmin 1 and 2 people, and I don't mean to call you out on this. I, you're a, that's like, you're in that community. 
But I'll just say it, you know? I don't know if you'll be back here. I can say whatever I want. I'll just say it. The Pikmin 1 or two, and 2 people are, they give back in my day, I had to walk up six inches of snow, six feet of snow both Jerry, directions. I watched you defend saying that a GameCube was good at PAX East. Well, that is you, you are good. You are the people. That's Pikmin 1 and 2. That is the Look, GameCube. Was Pikmin 1 and 2 on my list at that panel? It most certainly was not, okay? Y'all were over what, there. What was, what was the panel? Picking and plopping. What's the context here? What was this panel? The panel was the GameCube is the greatest video game console of all time. Very oh. firm statement. Just thrown out there. Why not? Why just, not? And it's just the, like, what the, game that ain't like me. That ain't me. It makes no sense. <laughs> that's exactly what you are the people just because you didn't play it. It was. I don't that. know if I'm that's true. Yeah. I, what am I just in Pikmin culture because I like the GameCube? Yeah, like <laughs> that's Pikmin culture. I've never played. I played Pikmin like all the way back when I had a GameCube originally. I bought it because Nintendo decided to take one game from the eighty-seven. So you're telling me that you can't now play I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for Pikmin now. Like yes, you are. We just yeah. we all have to. We literally all have to like the same game. You know what? Then like a water bottle on an airplane, you are now responsible for picking it up and throwing it out. Yes, you were there. I mean, it happened on my watch. I was only a child, but you have to ask yourself, could I have done more? And when confronted with that, I'm aghast. I got to admit. I'm also one of those, you know, back in my day, hill climbers um, with Pikmin (laughs) 1 and 2. And uh, here's here's the stance. Here's the perspective is I I feel like um, it mattered more. Do you know what I mean? I feel like the pick your Pikmin mattered more. And, you know, every day mattered more. Every moment mattered more. But at the same time, I feel like I'm out of patience for that today. You know what I mean? I I, I feel like all these decisions are wise because, like, we don't have time to, like, have our Pikmin die anymore and have to reload our saves anymore. It's like it's like weird. Like game design has to, like, evolve with society in a way. Yeah, the softening of the death of Pikmin. They're just like, oh no, they're gone. And like how easy, how much easier it is to grow them. The fact that like yeah. you can only have 20 and then 30 and then 40 and one and two, you just have a hundred from the jump. And that's also what makes them so unmanageable. Um, but the fact that they are safe on Ochi and the fact that you have Ochi as well is certainly a part of that. Um, so yeah, I, it's like the quality of life also made it less hard, which then like Pikmin 1 is wild. It's like, you know, you know, when you play Star Fox 64 and you're like, no, oh, I just need to no. do this. No. And OK, and Star Fox 64. You lived a very cursed gaming life. You're like <laughs> hitting the like the toxic bangers, you know? Yeah. Star Fox 64 is all like, oh, yeah, you do Corneria and then you do a do a barrel roll. But really, it's just like five, five stages in a row. And then you fight Andros and then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And it feels so small, the game. Pikmin 1 felt very similar in that you have 30 days and this clock will never stop and don't die. And then you're like, oh, okay. And of course, it's only like five hours of gameplay, but it gets like the the difficulty curve is really, really wild once you get past like the mandatory um, parts you need to find. So yeah, it like Pikmin 4 now being like a modern game. And again, I don't know if I like it that like they're shoving quote unquote modern standards into it like Ochi's RPG RPGs leveling up. <laughs> I just don't know if I, I don't know. It's certainly fun, but I felt it being slick. The other thing about it, it feels like a remake of a movie. Like, 
You know, like that, that new Ghostbusters movie where it's like, wow, I found my grandpa's old Ghostbusters stuff. This is us being like, wow, Captain Olimar wrote about this in his journal. And I'm like, why? Can we just like create some new IP? Can we do something yeah, new? That's not it, it, what we're talking about. We're talking about Pikmin and Barbie today. No new IP. <laughs> no, absolutely no, no, no new IP. Actually, yeah, I'm I'm happy to transfer to Mario Kart 8 as well. Another like game that we've been playing for feels like 10 years now. It is at least five, right? <laughs> it's Mario Kart Wii U days. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 came out on the Wii U. We got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, still new tracks, new DLC coming out. And when I heard this panel wanted to talk about it this week, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's talk about Mario Kart. Uh, those new tracks just came out, like yeah, four or five, right? Yeah. 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 The second to last track pack. Uh, basically what they announced the DLC, I think like a year and a half ago. It's, it feels like so long ago. They said, we're going to drop DLC tracks for this old game and they're coming out over the next two years. And uh, like I bought in. Ha. Ah. Did it, you all, but like, I assume we all are not buying them piece by piece, but just like bought that package. Right. I did. Spend well, you get it through Nintendo online. You can at least, right. Oh, are you all on that? Yeah. The, delu- the, uh, expansion pack that's, that's included. Yeah. I but Eric, so you just bought early. it straight up. I bought okay. it so early before they did the combo, and I'm oh, like, no. I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, your online's bad, Nintendo. Don't punish me. I already gave you like forty dollars. But n- Nintendo culture is all about being punished for things yes. that you had no control over. Yeah. <laughs> like add it to the pile with Pikmin one and two because that's my, real. I'll take that, Janet. Yeah, honestly, that like I got so much baggage with Mario Kart Eight too. Like I really went on a tangent. When that thing dropped, because I'm like, look, and I think the fact that they have new tracks is very cool. It is still like probably the greatest kart racer made of all time. It's a fantastic game that I have bought twice and paid for the DLC twice. And some of that DLC has been the same DLC. Only Nintendo can be like, this is the absolute definitive edition of the game. And then be like, but actually, it is here again. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, just, I wish they did things differently, but... We're here, and I'm, I'd be lying if I didn't say I wouldn't be excited to drive on more tracks and for them to continue this model, but I do find it really frustrating still, as someone that had it on the Wii U, bought the DLC on the Wii U, bought the deluxe version on the Switch, and now you're using this pass to give me more... Why don't you just make a new game? And I know people don't want to hear that because they're like, oh, why? This game's great. I don't know, but I need a clean slate because it's like... It's like if you dated someone you work with and you still have to go into the office and it's like, I don't want to see you anymore. Okay. It's not even beef, but like, I can't stand to look at you at this point. That's me and Mario Kart 8 a little bit, but I'll drive anytime anyone wants because it's a great game. No, I'm with you with that. I'm also, I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I want Mario Kart 9 because apparently some mobile game was Mario Kart 9. Mario Kart Tour. Oh, Tour, yeah. I played and some I'm, Tour. I toured it up. <laughs> but especially now, now that we keep getting the Tour cart, because I never played it, and then we kept getting Tour stages, and it was like, oh yeah, it's just up-res stuff. But at the same time, they're doing some interesting stuff on those races where it goes, it's all like different stuff, and it loops around instead of just like Baby Park, which is the absolute curse of, of uh, Mario Kart Double Dash, right? And the tour so, courses are really good. So I'm glad they yes. are bringing those over because while tour, I'm sure, has an audience, uh, it's not necessarily the same audience as the console version. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure because I hadn't played. Yeah, I, I'm feeling conflicted about 
tour how many tour courses are being ported over like if they weren't and the fact that they're like real cities kind of graded on me a little bit i'm like okay i guess i'm in vancouver question mark and i'm donkey kong in a mercedes car whatever i don't um that sounds awesome so i don't know what you're talking about also wait to be clear that's what breaks the immersion for you no, not no, the not, not immersion. Tra- yeah, yeah, before I thought You're like, this great. thing's going off the rails. Not the driving upside down. Not the any of anything else. Yeah, Why I thought this was Gran Turismo. Yeah. No, not immersion. More just like feeling weird about the upper. Again, like the, the fact that it feels like it's being... A, a, something that is not that good is being sold to me again. Except that those tracks end up being pretty cool. I'm, I'm stoked on it. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine what the next like gimmick would be for Mario Kart 9, though. Because I already don't super love the the upside down what? the upside down stuff the wheels glow what do you mean i love it <laughs> oh that's the good part you like that yeah <laughs> like it feels like um it, you know it reminds me of uh like i was a big crash team racing fan and they had a lot yeah. of um funky zero g loop de loop like the neo cortex energy right. of the anti-gravity wheels i don't those know those last like two tracks are crazy yeah yo uh, to me, I'm sorry, we're skipping, we skipped past, way past eight, but that's an interesting question. We'll get back to Mario Kart 8, but like, I feel like the next Mario Kart game, much like we just saw in Pikmin, is going to introduce a lot more like customization, unlocks, and progression. Right. Do you think it's going to come anytime soon until it's like Switch 2 or whatever? Switch 2, yeah, the next Switch, the next thing, for sure. Yeah, to sell. Yeah. I, to I feel like this DLC it. is just in buying time, right? Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just, it feels like at any moment, Mario Kart is going to switch into being a living game. And this yeah, feels dude. like it is part of them building the bridge to get people to accept that. But it does feel like any moment they could just decide to turn it into Fortnite, but with kart racing and... Perhaps the worst thing about that is that I would play that. I would play that <laughs> a lot. It sounds really fun. <laughs> but especially if they do what you are suggesting, which is like adding RPG elements or adding more like character customization, then it, it just makes sense to want to extend that and to, to transform it from what is essentially like a fun party game, like a, a party game that's slightly more intense than a regular party game. But it is just like a party game that you get together and play with your friends. And if you start adding like character customization or RPG stuff, like you're you're transforming it away from being a party game and being an online experience that you play with people you know and love. Nintendo notorious for being good at online. Well, and that's the care thing. That's the thing, Eric. It's gonna be bad. They haven't yet mastered connecting together players to play online, as we all saw during Animal Crossing, in particular. So it just yeah. it it's it feels like they could do it, but they shouldn't. Do you play the game online? What? Uh, Mario Kart Eight. No, I don't. A little Actually, bit. So you've I been do. downloading the tracks and you play them solo. I played with friends. I've got friends oh, in real life. I didn't even. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even register as an friends. option to me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was not even like thinking of like secret option three. But do you play like then in, in person? Like you like couch co op yeah, yeah. versus it? Yeah. You just, oh, that's you really cool. Then that's great. People. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're healthy. Okay. Well, yeah, I see. So this is that's so min max, bro. That's so min max. I'm sorry to flex about having friends in real life. <laughs> Really, uh, really stunts it on everybody. Um, no, I, I do play online. Um, 
from time to time. I also like that you can, sadly enough, like in, in Mario Kart is actually Nintendo's best take on online, even though it is still very flawed. Like the fact that you need to be friends. I have so many, and look, if you're on my Switch friends list, I'm not trying to say that you're not my friend, okay? <laughs> there are, fr- I have friends on there, and then I have people that I just want to play a game with. And it's like, I'm giving that thing out to everybody because it's the only way you can match with like anybody. So it, it is pretty messy, but it has some cool stuff. Like I always love doing the, you can even like p- have two people locally go online together. And I thought that was really fun because if you've never done Mario Kart 8 online, you absolutely should just to see, can you hang or not? Cause the people are playing online, they're playing for keeps. Okay. These are people that <laughs> had the game a few times over, like, pro-level kart racing. Like, I'm lucky to crack into the top five online a lot of times because they're really, really good. They know all... They can do everything. They're, they only drift. Like, it's a really fun, <laughs> surprisingly competitive scene in the, like, online random space. Obviously, you can make little tournaments for you and your, like, Twitch viewers or you and, like, a group of friends or whatever, but... Yeah, and I, they have some fun versus stuff, too, like the cops and robbers thing. Like, those are actually, like, pretty enjoyable to play. What are... uh? Before we move on, I want to hear some highlights of the new stuff they've added to Mario Kart 8. Like, what, what are some good new tracks? Mm, I really like... Just, uh, are we talking about the, all of the stages, all of the new stages? Yeah, yeah. The thing that literally... I actually gasped and went, whoa, was the remake of uh, Kamari Desert, the one with the train from Mario Kart 64. That made you gasp. But in the second lap, when it you, uh-huh. when it went up and turned, and then you went into the to the tunnel, I was like, Terrifying. "Hell yeah!" Because <laughs> you don't do that on sixty four. Is that the thing? Is like they? It, it's just kind of around, and you're avoiding. Got the, it. And you're okay, so that's cool. Yeah, and I really, I really, really liked it. And like, I'm keeping my mind open for these new for these new tracks. Again, I'm I'm very surprised at the quality of the tour ones. I'm really liking the Athens one that happened recently. I yeah, think that the, yeah. Van- I thought the Vancouver one was pretty fun that you get to go through a hockey, a hockey arena twice. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, the Paris one is pretty good. Um, I like, I kind of like the, the, the cities ones have certainly grown on me for sure. I, I also like the desert one. I thought it was shocking and terrifying to to ride on the train tracks <laughs> i found that really uh shocking but in a fun way because it's a soft little mario game and i knew i wasn't gonna get crushed by a train i was just gonna get bopped around uh i also really liked the ninja hideaway tour map yes. where it's just oh, like the trick one, yeah. house that's so fun with all the just the weird levels and all of the weird ways of engaging with that level i thought that one was really fun Jenna, what is the competitive level between you and your friends uh, uh, in terms of Mario Kart? A skill level, one is far superior. Competitive level, we're all 10 out of 10, extremely competitive. Okay. We're, we're <laughs> trash talking the whole time. Uh, yeah, it's only what That's part playing. of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that has to be part of it. You got to throw a controller out of your friend's hand. That's just <laughs> yeah. the way that it works. Uh, one of my friends has a bunch of special settings set up uh, for his controller so that when he plays, he has to play in the first person slot. I don't know what they are and he won't tell us. He won't tell us or reveal his setting screens, but he has special settings set up for his peak skill. That uh, That's just wild. Yeah, it's such a mystery to me. I really want to know what, what he's packing. 
That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, it's just all psychological. Whoa. You know, nothing's different. It's just to get in your head. Whoa, it worked. Janet, that's very possible. And it's so, yeah, feasibly, it I can't actually think of what the settings would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do think I this know. is a this is a prank. I don't know. It's here's the thing though. He is left-handed, so it's possible that it's a specific oh, sure. left-handed setting. But that but like why wouldn't he just tell us? Why would why wouldn't he just tell because us? Because this makes it so much sweeter, you know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Look at look at how he's got you thinking about it and he's not even here. <laughs> Rent yeah. free That's how he's winning, mind. you know? He's yeah, he's playing 4D chess with Mario Kart mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> Speaking of pranks, Janet, I have a question for you. <laughs> sure. Okay. So I live in a city that is one of the I live in Brooklyn and I live in New York. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've the New York map is okay. It's mostly sure. like Broadway and Central Park, right? Mm-hmm. Have you checked out the LA track at yeah, all? I haven't. So I haven't driven on it, but I, when you brought this up before we started recording, yeah. I had pulled it up on YouTube and I've been watching it on loop on the other screen. So I'm ready to talk about <laughs> what you got going on here. So what did you do to hurt Nintendo? Because LA, the LA one make is the rudest thing to Los Angeles that I've seen. Now the first it's, in the first two laps are kind of just like, oh, yeah, it's the beach, and then we're then it's like a Santa Monica Pier and whatever, right? The third lap starts, and then you are in an oil field, question mark? <laughs> it's You're like in, 30% oil field, the whole and, track. Yeah. And, and it's only brown. The only color is brown of the yeah. entire space. You can even oil see, pumps. like... Yeah, and in the distance, you can see, like, oh, there's a, a Ferris wheel and a bridge. <laughs> it was like, this is where you could be, but you're stuck in the third lap of Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, it it's very, like, um, I don't even know what part of town exactly this would be at. Like, somewhere hidden amongst the the corners of Culver City. Because Culver City is a very, like, a lot of businesses and stuff. Like, I don't know if it's, like, the outskirts of there or what. But, yeah, it's an odd take. Um, definitely not... Not my experience or associations with Los Angeles, uh, for sure. Yeah, I wish they... It's it's interesting the tone they take with these tracks in general, because I really like the Paris one, too. Like, I think it's really pretty, and, you know, it's... I don't know, it's fairly basic. Like, the streets look kind of Parisian, sort of, and then they have, like, a couple iconography moments, and that's kind of it. Um, you know, some chairs outside that are shaped a certain way, and they're like, it's Paris. I'm like, okay, sure. I do wish they had a little more fun with it. Like, I think about... um cruising usa like one of my favorite racing games of the modern era and their la kind of hollywood area is so fun they got like the big donut like hut places and that i feel like that is very of los angeles like there's a huge donut scene here and i feel like they could have played up some of that kind of stuff or just i don't know had a little bit more fun with it in general i do think the locales when they're based on real life locales they go a little bit too much for realism but it with a Mario coat of paint, which I feel like isn't as fun as the sort of excitement y'all are talking about with some of these like older Nintendo based courses. It, yeah, it feels like they went to Encarta and typed in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, it left off all the Hollywood stuff. Like yeah. it just doesn't. The third, the third. Give me those stars. And instead we did oil derricks. We <laughs> right. truly you're avoiding oil, the oil things that go up and down. N- uh, Nintendo's uh, in the pocket of big oil. I've been saying that since we started this show. <laughs> and more and more, it reigns true. I just wanted to be uh, really rude and say Mario Kart 8 obviously says New York's better than LA. I'm really good. Another another shot in the sure. in the large it's beat. Not wrong, though. It's not City wrong. It's uh, it's uh, I think it's 100% true and Mario Kart 8 establishes it. Barbie is big in Hollywood right now. 
Of course. <laughs> Box office boffo Barbie. In 2023, I feel like uh, maybe we all expected it recently, you know what I mean? Because there was so much hype. But then, like, I feel like, uh, you know, a year ago, it sounded insane that they would be making a Barbie movie. Um, Jenna, you've seen it. You love it, right? Yes, love it. 100% highly recommended. Why is Barbie such a big success? Well, because it's okay. And and I want to counterdict the statement that you just made about people being like, Barbie, why make a Barbie movie? Because... Immediately after Birds of Prey, Margot Robbie was like, I'm going to I'm want to produce a Barbie movie. And that mm-hmm. was my introduction to the concept of the Barbie movie. And I was really hype about that because I think Bar- uh, Margot Robbie is really funny and I think she's an incredible actress. And I was just like, OK, I, I don't care about a Barbie movie necessarily, but I care a lot about a Margot Robbie produced Barbie movie. And then they got Gre- Greta Gerwig on board to direct. And I'm just like, OK. This is, I don't know what this is going to be, but I think it's going to be a thoughtful approach to one of America's most enduring and divisive figures. Uh, and that's Barbie. So I love it. Uh, what was your actual question? <laughs> I was too busy so like, disagreeing. <laughs> no, yeah, because well, here's the thing, though. It's a, it's a toy movie, right? Yeah. So like, what may, why is it good? Uh, have you seen it? No, no, no. That's the thing. I'm coming. I'm coming okay. to this. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, highly anticipating it. Everyone, everyone says this movie is great. So I, I like it, the the reason it's good is because it actively tackles with what Barbie means as both a cultural figure and as like a toy, and it, it's really engaging actively with all these levels. Whereas, like, I feel like your your uh, like Transformers movies, your GI Joe movies, are trying to take that mythos that's built in with this action figure or this toy and tried to to build that mythos into a story. And like, that's not really what toys are for. Toys are meant to be kind of empty vessels for children to project their own stories onto. And so like Barbie and Ken don't have stories. The stories is that you bump them into each other and that's how you know they're kissing. But like, that's like, they don't have built-in stories and that's on purpose. So the Barbie movie is tackling the fact that these are empty vessels that stories and ideas and concepts are put upon. Like these are the th- these are the canvas that we put stories and information on. And what are those stories and why that are they so complicated? Yeah. So the, like, okay. So the impression I get of this movie is that it just looks like fun. You know yeah, what I mean? It, it looks like uh, it looks like one of those rare instances where it's like a movie that everybody needed and nobody could have predicted, you know, where like <laughs> uh, it's smart. But starting from it is. A, yeah, it is a toy movie that's highly intelligent and thoughtful. Like it's this kind of thing where like. You know, we're getting a lot of regular movies this summer. You know what I mean? Where like box office, just like we're getting a lot of just like regular movies and the regular movies aren't doing it They're You know, we had a lot of bombs this summer. Uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot of blame was like, yeah, well, you know, we still haven't covered from COVID or whatever, but it's just cool to see like um, a success like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm delighted. They're they're They've won the or they have. They are winning. I don't know if that'll overtake it, but they are winning the box office battle with Oppenheimer, which I was deeply emotionally invested in. Uh, <laughs> so I love to see that. But I, it's a fun thing where it's like I feel like it's like, you know, no bad feelings with Oppenheimer, which is also doing very well itself in its yeah. own lane, you know? Yeah. 
But uh, a year ago, you you say Oppen up against Oppenheimer. Good luck, Barbie. You know what I mean? And Barbie's like, I really? don't need it. I'm not, fine. I feel yeah. like a year ago, I think we roll in different circles because everyone <laughs> sure. I know, except for yeah. like not everyone I know, because you know, my I went with my boyfriend. He was like, Do you think this movie's gonna be good? And I'm like, Yeah, I think it's gonna be good. Like legit, I think this will actually be enjoyable. Um, and then it was great. So I was like, Great. You know, sometimes <laughs> you take a, a chance on a movie, and that's not always the case. You know, I, as I knew from my fling with AMC stubs while I was watching everything. And I'm like, I didn't need to watch some of these movies in theaters. I didn't need to see Megan in theaters. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I know some people disagree. It's like, you know, everyone has different tastes and things. But Janet, it's pronounced yeah. M3gan. Uh, yeah, M3gan, exactly. Another compelling I, movie about a doll. And then the fourth one would be M4 Megan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but hold on. But the A comes after the E. I can't spell. The point is, the bar movie is good. And yeah, I know a lot of people, a lot of people are really excited for this. So I'm glad that it's one of those rare moments where people were hyped around it. Like, I don't know. There was a lot of like energy, I think, too, from just everything you saw about this movie, like in a lot of circles that I've, you know, been in online or in person where. You know, talking about L.A., right? It's like, oh, they're shooting at Santa Monica and they got like the roller skates. Also, too, like, and I won't lie, like I wasn't already knowledgeable on all these different elements of Barbie lore. But just from my algorithm, my TikTok for you page, hmm. I learned about a lot of the different dolls they've had. So seeing like the roller skates, I'm like, oh, they're doing the like, those are the roller skates that would create sparks when kids yeah. would flick them. And they had to recall them because they were lighter roller skates. And the yeah, fact that they, they had that in the movie. Fire. Yeah, and that you knew about that so early, it's like, oh, they're going to be doing some, like, interesting nods, like some, you know, like playing, kind of poking fun at the IP in some ways. Yeah. And not to mention, like, the costumes just looked amazing, oh, like, from the jump. So it's so like, and then seeing, like, you know, Margot Robbie stepping out of the heel and she has the Barbie foot, it's like, <laughs> that's when I knew this was going to potentially, like, bang. Because I'm like, okay, that's you such mean, You mean no toes? No, no, just with the, the Barbies have toes. They have their feet like as if they're in a heel all the time. Like their feet Got are it. curved. Okay. Yeah. And it's Sorry, like, no, okay. I, needed a, I needed a Barbie foot explained to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have Barbie foot explained has been Googled a lot. Of um, and even just so many things about that being like such a nod, the shot being like, you know, it's her foot. So there's inherently like some level of sexuality for some segments of the internet. Everyone joking about Qu Quentin Tarantino wishing he shot this, you know, it's like, so much was around like all of that energy and then seeing it, I feel like it delivered tenfold in in references and Easter eggs and in, in self-awareness, in pushing beyond. Um, it was just it was also just really funny. And then it was yeah. it was more heartfelt than I expected. Like I was like, Am I moved by this Barbie movie? Like I thought I was just here to have a good time, and I did have a good time, but I wasn't expected to, you know, feel like it sounds like I'm a cyborg, but like I wasn't expected to like feel emotions like that watching no, it. Like fair. it was, yeah, it was I, much more like human than I thought it would be yeah. for like a, a toy, a movie about dolls. Yeah, extremely so. I've been wanting to make pa a patch for myself that says "I cried at the Barbie movie," where "cried" is in the same Barbie font. Uh, yes. I want to make that for myself. I want to wear that literally on my sleeve. It's so good. It's such a good movie. Uh, last question, uh, Janet. Did your boyfriend who was tepid walking in mm -hmm. did he end up liking it yeah he liked it oh but only that sounds like just a little bit though the reason i don't expound is because i don't know for sure like to what degree he liked it he definitely liked it though because there are times where 
And it's funny. I don't think he's going to listen to this episode. And I tell him this to his face all the time. Sometimes <laughs> my boyfriend does that thing that a lot of people do where sometimes I feel like he doesn't like something. and be like, no, I mean, I, I didn't dislike it, but I, you know, like this weird <laughs> semantic nonsense. Mm-hmm. This wasn't that. He was like, no, it was pretty good. Like there's, there's a joke in the movie where he's like, oh, I want this thing. Like he enjoyed it. I don't know if he liked it as much as I did. I feel like I'm pretty hot on it. I'm like one step below people that are like scalding on it. I'm like, it's not quite at that tier for me, but it's a, it's a great movie. Like easy four out of five on Letterboxd for me kind of situation. Like I had a great time. Like if it's the kind of movie that in a bunch of years, if you haven't seen it, people would be like, oh, have you never seen it? Like we should watch it. Like it's, it's actually really good. And then you'll kind of, it'll continue to make waves in that way. That's the kind of film it feels like, like something that I would have missed and then watched and been like, oh wow, this is, yeah, this is really good. Like, and you might, you might underestimate it because of what the pitch is, but it really pulls it off. Yeah. Uh, so wait, have you seen Barbie as well? I have not, but oh, okay. I, th- I think that like, it's not for me, which is fine. I think that it's fine for 50% of the population that exists and it's not for dudes. Like, and I oh, mean I that think- positively, right? Like right. I'm probably going to see it at some point, but I was not like as super excited. Like so many people are. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm really stoked for people who are super stoked for it, um, and I hear it's really awesome and, and great. I th- I don't mean to be reductive. I'm trying to say it in like a good and a good way. <laughs> I it, it is definitely like I, I definitely see what you're saying. I mean, it is based on a toy that was largely meant for for little girls. But I do think if that is something that is keeping anyone who can hear the sound of my voice from watching it, uh, I would say that it fundamentally has, as Janet said, a very human uh, concept at it and that the the ultimate reward of the themes of the movie are about experiencing and loving our own humanity in a really beautiful and moving way. And also um, uh, all of the kin stuff is great for everyone. <laughs> I think there's yeah. enough here for everyone. I kind of land on that is, too. This and, is four quadrants. And and obviously if you, you know, aren't interested in seeing it, like, yeah, I mean, chase chase your bliss. Like there's a lot of movies that I skip as well. But yeah. I think it's interesting to think about, well, I'm not gonna watch this because it's not for me, because that I think it's interesting to think about that in the context of the reverse, right? Like yes. most movies are not directly for women and are actually you know if we're just to use like the that simplistic binary for the sake of the conversation like yeah. everything's for dudes and then like maybe you get one or two things and that's often the case in like you know the context of looking at oppressed group versus not oppressed group within a certain societal subsect right it's like yeah. everything's like white except for the things that aren't everything's ma- male except for the things that aren't so you know obviously again if you're not interested in the movie like yeah sure skip it's still it's a comedy movie about barbie like if that's not your jam like feel free but it could be interesting if you have that thought to engage with it in the context of watching it through that lens because so many things that i love and enjoy are so masculine i mean i think about the first time i played as like a woman in a game or played a game that felt mm. feminine. Like that's so, that's such a rarity. Like if I only played stuff that I felt like was for me or did stuff that was for me, I wouldn't do almost anything. So I'm like, I, I, you know, I can't even have that beat. Like we'd have like the list would be so small, you know? So again, not necessary. And at the end of the day, again, it's just a, it's a comedy movie, but it could be interesting to look at from that lens. If you're, if anyone's curious about doing that kind of sociological dive, because I think there's a lot, to gain from that and genuinely to back Jenna's statement, I think there's stuff that can be enjoyed by everybody, but definitely, yeah, this is speaking on the perspective of 
women in a lot of ways. Um, but also that's a perspective that has value to be further understood. Like some of the stuff in the Barbie movie is kind of like, oh, this is pretty straightforward. But frankly, a lot of people might not really know that stuff, which feels shocking as someone who lives it, you know? Yeah. But it's like, oh yeah, like there's a lot of threads here and things. Like it's just really interesting. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to gain from it. Yeah, Janet, I'm that I a hundred a thousand percent agree with that. I didn't want to say any of that stuff because it's certainly not my place. I'm just I agree with everything you're saying is what I meant from what I was what I was getting out of it. In a Go be an ally and spend sentences. the money to support the Barbie movie. It, I've, I've, yeah, I've given I've given women in my life each twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, Barbie movie to honestly, that's legit, and it's fun to like you know have you know chat mentions backstage pass that we should do a spoiler cast we are trying to gather that together we are waiting for a couple other people to potentially see the movie and get to you know have the chance to be on it if they want to like if it is something they're interested in talking further about um but yeah that's also like a funny thing and very valid like i remember when that oceans movie came out with that was like the all women cast Mm -hmm. and i was joking like me with my friends like we gotta all go see it and we had like this one guy friend in our group and he's like i feel like I'm going to ruin your guys' event by going yeah. with you. Like, just why don't you guys go on your own and have your moment, you know, in that's the how, sun that's a little how I bit. Feel. But. Yeah, for sure. The only other thing from like a larger thing, because this, this intersects with the stuff. Well, I, I love all types of games. And the thing that I also like is Dungeons and Dragons. The table, I know I'm bringing up tabletop RPGs on the Min-Max show. The thing that came out a few weeks ago was that Mattel is super excited to put out 45 movies based on their IP as reported in the New Yorker. Is Mattel Barbie? Yes, Mattel and Barbie, yeah. And I think that, so what is what makes Barbie so great is the the two things that y'all have already talked about, is the vision of Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. And then we've already seen when you take an IP machine and you churn it out and you just put stuff out without intention, artistic intention, it just kind of, kind of goes out there and it's clock, right? So it's like, I mean, comparing Barbie to the Spider-Verse movies, right? But you could also compare the Spider-Verse movies to the other Spider-Man movies that are just like there. Right. And I'm concerned because I've seen a toy company pivot towards IP creation as is happening at the Hasbro toy company, which owns which owns Wizard of the Coast and how they're kind of like been neglecting uh, and also squeezing all of the money out of Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. Um, there's been a lot of stuff happening. Even, hey, Hasbro used, uh, hired and worked with the Pinkertons, you know, the, the Union Busters from your, oh, about your the American Magic History. the Gathering thing? You talking about yeah, them? that was the Magic the Gathering thing, where sure. some uh, got, someone, ac- someone accidentally got a box that came out too early, and they sent the Pinkertons, the uh, a wow. scary private <laughs> investigation firm, to go get it back from him. And Hasbro has also said in their quarterly earnings, which I follow, because it kind of affects the future of Dungeons and Dragons. And, like, they're also pivoting to IP creation as well. And, like, we saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which was, like, a 6 out of 10. I thought it was fine. But, like, and then it becomes, like, oh, wow, they used all the magic that was from the D&D, from the game of Dungeons and Dragons. Like, no, it wasn't. This was just kind of a... I, the way that I described it was that it was, you know how you're supposed to, like, send a letter to yourself and it's, like, a soft copyright that's how i felt that hasbro did with the movie they're like this is a franchise now we franchised it it exists and it felt like they were just doing it to create to pivot to ip creation and i'm concerned uh, from a toy from these toy companies i wish they would just make good toys and games um because especially the neglect that D 
and Magic the Gathering have gotten. Um, it's been a real bummer, especially in 2023. There's been a whole thing with the open gaming license not allowing yeah. third-party creators to be a part of it that I was big part of fighting against it. I also don't think that any of the stuff coming out of Wizards of the Coast right now for official Dungeons & Dragons stuff is good at all because they're kind of just like doing straight down the middle stuff. And I'm just a little concerned about what Mattel, now that Mattel's trying to make another Barbie movie, they're not making good toys, um, especially as that relates to games um, from what I've been seeing at Hasbro. I mean, yeah, you just said so much interesting stuff. It, it, it is, I mean, like D&D is essentially a toy in the same way that we can, if you conceive of a toy as a tool to allow people to tell their own sorts of stories, like a prop or an, an idea or some figure that you can project those stories on. That's all that D&D is. It's just a series of rules. It's just a little bit, a little bit more involved than like a Transformer or Barbie, but like fundamentally it's yeah. the same, same spectrum. Uh, and so the fact that they're like, we're going to leverage our own toy into making these stories, it, it does feel like it's a cursed proposition because they're, the point of the toys is that they don't have stories. I already said this. <laughs> but it is, it is just like, I mean, I'll keep watching Barbie movies if they keep making good Barbie movies. But I think the drop off yeah. from the Barbie movie is going to be a precipice. I don't think you're going to be able because like the, it, the Barbie movie is so thorough. It's such a thorough engagement with the concept of Barbie. Uh, and I don't know where you can go using that premise. Uh, but it's real, it's real corporate brain and like, oh, they like movies. They don't like good movies, right? Like that's explicitly what's happening with the with SAG and WGA on strike right now mm. is like our business model is going to be movies now. And now they're like, art is hard and you got to put a lot of energy and time into it. And that this, uh, so many things came together to make Barbie good. Not just the fact that a company released their IP and allowed it to make a movie. And then now that's going to be the backbone of this mat of these toy companies entire business model. Yep. But that's uh, always been the case. I mean, you think of like, yeah. there's this, um, I think it's from the documentary series, um, the toys that made us on Netflix, but they talk about like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and how that like spun off into like, well, we're trying to make the toys to sell the comics. Like, right. Like but it's the car. The cart's now leading the horse. Right? But it doesn't matter because it's all like, at least to me, because it's all at the end of the day, it's all like art. Dis capitalism disguised as art. And I don't want to say that to say that the art is oh, not sure, valid yeah. or that all inherently once you start selling it, like there is a level of capitalism in it. Even this, like I love talking about games, but also like, I'm here and I'm getting paid to be here. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just fact. Doesn't mean I'm not genuinely enjoying it or making content with my heart, but there is money involved in the things that you do. I do think to your point, it's not wrong to speak on the potential dangers of that. And I do think like, I have this saying of like the second you get caught up on the money is the second that you mess up your money because you will stop being able to create products or create art or create whatever because you're going to be so in your head about like what's going to make money that you're going to like lose the bag by chasing the bag kind of thing. And I think that's kind of, to me, hearing your concern about that is sort of what you were speaking to where the idea of wanting to franchise, wanting to be everywhere, wanting to be a household name at the top of the minds, you know, all of that, like if you don't learn how to reconcile the desire for making money with 
what you're actually making, like you won't have something like the Barbie movie, which again, that is something made to help sell Barbies. And at the AMC theater, they were selling a Barbie and the cart for like 60 60 bucks bucks. and people were buying it, you know? And like they had a $5 cup floaty and I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of like, well, maybe I should have bought that. Even I don't need that. You know, I'm not even like, I'm not like into Barbie like that. I kind of never really was even into Barbie. But then this this worked on me the way, you know, people were talking about this a lot, like on social media, like um, I've heard the name they use for it, like Barbie capitalism or whatever, where they're yeah. like, I'm going to buy like yeah. the Xbox, con- the you know, the nail polish. And, the, and, and it was so fun, but I've never seen such a moment of fun and self-awareness from an internet community that's like, hey, I know that I'm just buying this because it says Barbie and I don't care. And Mattel's like, that's perfect because <laughs> that's, we just, you know what I mean? But it's so rare for, I think, that marriage to work in terms of the company gets to make a lot of money and the people get to enjoy genuinely a product. Um, yeah. And then I guess the last thing I wanted to say is I like the D&D movie, but I don't play D&D, so I don't know. But yeah, that's always a concern. And I think a lot of IP... As much as you might love love an IP, there's probably a piece of art of that IP that you think sucks. You know, like whoever you are, if it's a big enough IP, you can probably find a version of it that is bad, you know, and that's just kind of the reality. Eric, bad news. We now have 60 seconds to talk about Halls of Torment. That's fine. Halls of Torment. (laughs) What is it? Yeah, what is it? Halls of Torment is one of the vampire survivor likes. Uh, you should, it is kind of moving the vampire survivor genre forward and the way that vampire survivors was a love letter to Castlevania. This seems to be a love letter to like PS1, PS2 Dreamcast uh, uh, graphics because that's a styled with like the light, the dynamic lighting and it's vaguely bad, quote unquote, bad 3D modeling. Um, you can also turn on and off the auto aiming and the auto attacking. It's really fun if you need a new vampire survivor thing. I also want to shout out to Noclip that recommended it and I picked it up and it's been really fun. Um, it's like for someone who played Gauntlet in the arcade and also on my Dreamcast, mm. I really liked it. And it kind of like it's like, oh, this is for me because I don't love Castlevania as much as the people who made Vampire Survivors did. Are you auto on or auto off? Uh, auto on. I'm trying to okay. turn it into a Vampire Survivors. Like I could turn it on and off, but that's what I've been using it for. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's uh, you know what I mean. Like it's funny we got the, we got a tight schedule, but I was happy to see where that conversation kind of meandered into. That was fun. Um, I do have one big question though. How does this whole thing operate? IP mostly IP creation. This whole movies? thing, the, the Nimax show is IP. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And bad toys. <laughs> Keep an eye out. I would, oh my gosh. Can you imagine Hansen a little hand action flicker? Yes. Okay. I, a thousand percent that would sell though. If we sold it. Coming this summer, new game plus. It's uh, nothing you've seen before. No, of course. We're talking about patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. That would be how you, a listener, could support minmax altogether uh, beyond just even this show. There are many more programs and uh, benefits to uh, checking out patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Uh, did I, Janet, what am I missing? Like, what else should we talk about in regards to the how good the Patreon is? Are you asking me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. There's Jenna and Janet. That was to yes. Janet. <laughs> I'll, I'll hit that T harder. Yeah. I'm glad that you also were like 
it's not me. I was like, who is okay? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we do a bunch of stuff. We have, um, you know, for $2, you get in on the Discord. Uh, Trivia Tower will make its fierce return with the return of Ben Hansen. So that's fun stuff. You get to, like, write in for questions as well, potentially win a prize. There's the um, Patreon-exclusive podcast feed where you can get the podcast version of things like The Deepest Dive. You can get um, our Patreon-exclusive podcast party chat, an audio version of all of that. Um, and it just goes up from there. You know, we have a bunch of different content and ways to consume that content across all our different tiers. So if you like our content, I encourage you to check out the tiers and see which one might be right for you. If you have the financial means to do so, we'd appreciate it a lot. Um, and from time to time, we come up with goofy little uh, additional bonus content for hitting certain goals. You know, we did the pet documentary. We did the truck to Shrek. We did the um, L.A. SGF crossover a Universal Studio vlog, which did not feature um, a bunch of oil rigs for some reason. So we'll get that in the part two. <laughs> you are so kind as to join our Patreon. And I'm not just a guest on MinMax. I'm also a patron. Oh, I yeah. always listen. I listen to MinMax a lot. I I love the Patreon feed. I love the podcast feed. I listen to all the podcasts. I'm going to listen to I listen to all of them, except for this episode, because I don't <laughs> want to hear myself. And I hate listening to my own voice. Oh, so, I get and, that. I can only sh- I can only shout out uh, how many times I've listened to the Mario sixty four deepest dive uh, on the Patreon feed uh, on the podcast feed. I love it so much, and uh, this is a, a wonderful place. Turns out there is a way to make art and make money at the same time, and usually that involves creator support through Patreon. Once again, an excellent transition into where I now thank take a moment to thank MinMax's biggest supporters. Because, you know, now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny, active days. Factor, which is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track reaching your goals. Let me ask you, audience, are you too busy with summer plans to cook, but... You want to make sure you're eating well? Well, the fact that you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store, you can skip the chopping, the prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up that warm weather. And this is going to sound wild because he's on paternity leave, but I have a little note from Ben Hansen himself. Of course. For what it's worth, they sent me a box of factor meals last week, and it was like a godsend (laughs) in a house with a newborn. (laughs) Genuinely really enjoyed them. And they come with smoothies. That's from Ben himself. Kind of written in his language. When he says genuinely really, you know that's really him. Head to factormeals.com slash minmax50 and use code minmax50 to get 50% off. That's MinMax50 at factormeals.com slash MinMax50 to get 50% off. In addition to that, we have to thank I Am 8-Bit, huge supporter of MinMax. Uh, they would like to draw your attention to physical versions. Pre-orders are open for physical versions of Neon White for both the Switch and PlayStation 5. Uh, it includes five Neon White anime-style character peeker stickers. 
And I had to look at that. I'm like, what's a character peeker sticker? It's like um, the image they show is like a window of a car. And it's just like, just like the, you know, the top half of the faces of the neons and that cat with sunglasses. So those are actually pretty cool. Worth checking out. They also every week send out a prize to the best community question on the MinMax show. This week's prize is a vinyl soundtrack to for Gravity Falls, the uh, animated series. You can also find that item on sale at iMapit's online store. You can use the promo code EGG ON A SIDEWALK, all one word, all caps, EGG ON A SIDEWALK, for 10% off everything under 100 US dollars. I want that vinyl soundtrack so bad. Now I'm going to go buy it up. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at the art. It's actually, it looks great. It looks, oh my God. It looks like it's just it's like really a nice cool thing to have. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for our community questions? Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. Great. Um, there was one I want to hit because it, it basically the question popped up during our Barbie conversation. Yeah, here we go. This is from Stark. The success of Barbie is a reminder that studios don't usually invest in female-driven IPs in the way they do for men. What do you think is the biggest game in recent memory that was primarily designed with a female audience in mind? I have a really good guess for this, but I feel like there might be something more recent. But if, sure. I, had to, if I had to bet, it would be Animal Crossing New Horizons, which Ooh. is, is a, a game uh, made... I would argue primarily for a female audience. Uh, just so why would you argue structured. that? Well, it's in the way it's structured. I mean, the the emphasis on things like fashion and community building and like making friends and like setting up your house and designing how your house is laid up are all things that are like traditionally uh, considered like more feminine things to appear in games. And I think those are fun things for everyone to engage with. But I think that I think the Animal Crossing brand in general is very feminine. That's a really good one. It just so I like the only thing, the only thing men will do anything other than get therapy and play Animal Crossing <laughs> and you need an entire pandemic to get them to sit down. Yeah, no, I like that a lot, Jenna. But that was, that's like three years ago now. So it feels like there's gotta be something newer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a I got a weird question. I got a, I actually don't know the answer to this question. Yeah. So I was playing Bayonetta three, which I don't think is designed with a female audience in mind, but does feel feminine. There are moments where it's like this character has you know like the way that she grabs a pickup is feminine. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's like, oh, that's actually kind of nice in this way. You know what I mean? Like just with a little special flourish. You know? But I don't think it's a feminine game. Do you know what I mean? Is that is that a weird opinion to have? No, I think there are lots of games with female protagonists that I would not argue are trying to, like, get a mixed-gendered audience or a feminine audience necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I think Bayonetta 3 maybe is, like, closest, but I still wouldn't even, like, give it that, I guess. Yeah. I think a woman whose clothes are hair is supposed <laughs> to be for women. I know. It's hard, I though. Know. It's a bayonet is such a hard one. We are not prepared on this podcast. It is the the bayonetta question is the one I've been struggling with for it's d- almost like legit performative. Years. It's almost like performative femininity, like yeah. drag queens. Mm-hmm. And yeah. again, drag queens yeah. parentheses yeah. affirmative. It's it's like playing with the idea of projecting 
femini- femininity. If a drag queen said that I kill demons and I, all my clothes are my hair, I'd be like, yes, yeah. here you go. I love this brunch. You're crushing I it. don't think it's rejecting femininity. I think it's, it's, it is, as you're saying, like a drag over-the-top performance. The woman who designed yes. Bayonetta and who designed like her, her figure and her, her kind of her clothing, like the, the woman who designed that has talked about how she pictures Bayonetta as like the most sexually confident version of a woman as just being like this super powerful, super sexual being. Uh, and I think that comes through, but is is itself a question of like, do women need to be hypersexual to be powerful? Is it is a harder question to answer, and it's one that there is no right answer to because it's so dependent on you personally and your culture. It's Animal Crossing. Thank you. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Even if, if you're like breaking it down by like numbers too, like hell yeah, it's Animal yeah. Crossing. Yeah, I think well, there's like three layers to the question, which I think, sure. Jenna, to your point, Animal Crossing, I think hits two of those layers at least, where it's yeah. like the there's it's for women, like it fe- it centers women and the female experience. Mm-hmm. There's for women, like it's catered towards what have been pre-identified as feminine or women-centric sensibilities within game design, which is a very like mm-hmm. layered thing. And then there's it's for women, like women happen to like it because. And then that's how things kind of shift over time. Like, I think Animal Crossing, um, I wish we had Kelsey on here because I got Kelsey's doing, she's got the book. Because I think there has been like games that are specifically targeted towards women, but those are like, it, it, it's so layered. And I think a lot of times it ends up inadvertently driving stereotypes about women. But yeah. then there's like, like, a, like happy a, home designer. Kind of, not exactly that, but it's just like, there's a fine line. When you think of girl games, you know, if you Google like, and there's been a lot of really fantastic articles written, written by women about the idea of what is a girl game and yeah. what have people, you know, there's like girl game, like a Barbie horse game or a horse, you know, the horse girl genre of games. There's like the sim element. And like, why is it that are Sims made with women in mind, like Sims, the genre made with women in mind, or is it that they have certain facets of gameplay that a lot of women happen to be drawn to slash create communities that women feel comfortable being in? And now it's a, like a mix of things. It's kind of like how, you know, when we zoom back and think of things holistically, a lot of jobs or things that are seen as feminine are only labeled now as feminine because women happen to like them. And they're like, well, that's that's a woman's job then or a like girly thing because like enough of that happens. So it's very, you know, which one is it car before the horse kind of thing on what creates this kind of a dichotomy between the two. But yeah, again, it's just animal crossing. To, I think it's to just to pull the, back yeah. even one additional <laughs> level is you also have this issue of like what the things that we consider traditionally feminine or the things that somebody who considers themselves a woman are, is attracted to are also very much determined culturally. So I imagine like if we looked at what games children were playing there there would not be a huge difference in the games that girl people or boy people are are playing but then because over time the way that women are enculturated it leads them to certain kinds of games games about community games about fashion and barbie you you bear some responsibility for this in, in that you were a fashion doll uh, and so c- sort of created that space for that kind of play and also while also like marking out that kind of play as feminine so I there, here's the thing at the end of the day there's no such thing as a woman so what women like is so enculturally determined it's like well what do you what is the answer 
really quick too, like just because it's it's interesting. There's a great creator on TikTok whose handles at Pink Jujitsu, like J U J I T S U, who does this series called Yassified Gaming, and it's where she takes like a feminine lens to games in general and talks about why this is a girly game, and she'll do like The Witcher Three and talk about again things that we stereotypically associate with femininity, like picking flowers, like crafting, like, mm. you know, Tears of the Kingdom, that's just a game where you play dress up, like, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. And I feel like there's something interesting and cool about that as well, because she's kind of playing with that dichotomy in terms of how she engages with, or how rather how they, excuse me, uh, engage with the medium and what they're sort of drawn to, but also uh, like kind of looking at hey, you may think that these are really masculine things, but really there's so many like additional layers to it that uh, you might not be perceiving. So anyway, there you go. Good one. Good one. Use that again for your get a load of this. I'm going to give you each $20 to go see Barbie again. (laughs) Hell yeah. This this next question will be informative for me. This will help me. This comes from David Dubbs. Hey, folks. What would you say is the appropriate amount of showers before you change out the towel you use to dry yourself? What a sigh, Janet. I don't know. We've had we've had uh, some interesting answers to questions like this before, so I'm Oh, curious. you're nervous about our answers? I'm nervous. Mine, I'm back. mine used to be a hard seven-day limit. I saw every Sunday I would swap out all of my linens, bed bed linens as well, just a, a, kitchen towels, all of them. Um, but then the pandemic hit, and after the the really scary part of the pandemic where uh, it, we the hygiene concerns were a little bit lessened, so maybe like two years in, uh, I was just like, actually, rules don't matter anymore, and it's fine to just do whatever. But I still stick to like a two-week, two weeks about my high limit for for when things need to get swapped out. I think mine's a little more holistic. I think it's like whenever I'm, when I'm doing laundry, which I'm ended up doing laundry. Sometimes I do it. Like I end up doing it twice a week or sometimes I end up doing it after two weeks. Cause I got a lot of stuff going on. Like if it smells nasty for sure. And then I throw it in, but I think it's more like whatever happens, happens, man. <laughs> it's just like, no one's tracking me. I'm only saying this on a podcast. Like I hope it's a week, but if it's not, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tweet about it. <laughs> Good. Defensive. You want a defensive stance. Kyle, you hey, tell I, us? Yeah, Kyle, shampoo you know and face I, I got to go last. You got to go know, last. Janet, I got to go what last. What does that mean? Uh-oh. Janet, you made me so nervous. For the other so things nervous. that people have said on this podcast in regards to things that they do in the, in the bath and shower, I have shampoo and face wash and body wash. <laughs> I have other things that I use, okay? Boy, I'm just saying. What a low bar. Kyle? Uh, for me, it's like basically to where like you can't fold it anymore because it gets no, too crusty. No. Then I throw it away and get a new one. I don't believe you. You're folding it every time you use it? No, just like, you know, like when like <laughs> after you dry off and you have to hang it back up, if sure. it won't fold, if it's too crusty to fold, I know it's time to get a new towel. I don't believe you. I think you're doing a bit. And this is not <laughs> bit times. This is serious. We haven't had one bit this entire, but we've we've been very straight faced and natural this entire podcast. Tell us about your towels, Kyle. But no, like if I'm being honest with you, it's a stink test. No, 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 it's not the crust test, but it is a stink test. If the towel stinks, it needs to be washed. If it doesn't stink, it's good. No. I'm changing it every two to max three showers. No like, way. I'm not going any. Yeah, yes. Okay. I'm you're not like, going any hotel. further you're than that. You're a hotel in your Honestly, own apartment. I think that's fair. 
I think that's like, really cool. yeah. Where's your washing machine? How far away is it from you? It's like <laughs> one foot now because it's in unit. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. That's yeah. big... I gotta go but, to No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It's been, <laughs> it's been only in building. It's been not at all. Like, it, I use it to, yeah, something that I wipe across my bare butt, butt cheeks. I'm not going to be looking to use to get max uses out of that. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're clean. clean. Yeah. yeah, so what? So you're never going to clean laundered. in that moment. How, how nasty well, are you getting out of the shower like? Like, I mean, it's just, it's a, why, what am I, what am I, like, stretching it out, the uses for? Like, you use it it's, as You don't have as, to do like, laundry as much. I think I'm with Eric on that one. It's yeah. just like... No, I'm, I respect again, it, like a few I'm changing I it laundromat. every time, like every like two to three, like maybe because I wash my hair like every, like every other, every like two, every like three days, like a Monday or Sunday, Wednesday, whatever, because I have curly hair. That's around when I do like a refresh of that. And then I try to clean the towel that I like dry my hair. Like, yeah, like I, it's going to get gross. Like. You don't want to wait for it to be gross. To if you're waiting until it gets gross, it's already like yeah, been it's gross grosser than you realize. I yeah. I change mine out weekly because I read that Oprah. I don't know if this is true, but I read that Oprah has new linens in her house every single day, and I'm like, God, Whoa. I wish that were me, but I can't commit oh, yeah. to a thing like that. So, uh, Janet, I respect that you're a two to three shower person. I wish that could be me. It's just not who I am. <laughs> Okay, all right. Here's here's my here's my Minvax vow because you know it's like you know have fun and get better, right? The, the third part of the mantra. Yeah, sure. I'll do it. I'll, I'll every week, every seven days. But the thing is, you got to do a whole separate load every seven days too. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's the I'm thing saying. I think that prevents me. You can't just toss the towel in with your clothes. It needs oh, its whole well, load. But oh, don't you really have a no. section for the towel? Yeah, yeah. You have to clean your towels and your like other stuff like separately because it's like nasty i think yeah. if you mix them all together it's not the biggest deal in the world but because i clean those on hot heat to like get them because they're like grosser materials versus like a shirt that i just and wear your shirt that yeah. can be like cold because yeah. it keeps the material for this longer to me like, i'm with eric but i'll do it on this one it's, this i'll do it for min max Jenna, this might be a thing that, like, we lived in New York City for too long where you just need to survive. <laughs> like, they have space and they have, and they have washing machines nearby. Look, like, again, wish I've could. lived in a lot of places and I've always washed my... T- and now if you don't want to, like, it's your life. You know, y'all are not... I'm not dating any of you. I'm not family with any of you. No offense. Like, I don't, you know, y'all are adults. Like, do you. The question was, what do you do? I, I'm hitting the every two to three... I'm doing the same with the hand towel. Yes, my hand towel is different than my body towel. Like, you know, it's a whole thing. Uh, you it's knew, though. Thing. No, no, the thing is you you said I want to go last because you knew. Yes, I knew. Yeah. I absolutely did know. Yeah. Yes, yes, I knew. <laughs> I, I knew already. When I've you done these said before. you wanted to go last, I, I knew it meant you were either super tidy or super nasty, and I'm just relieved that you're super tidy. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting an escalation on the crusty thing. Mm-mm, no, not uh, with this. Kyle, Don't play I'm any with games you, with this. It's a backstop. Kyle is not waiting until it's nasty it is just until it's like oh i really should have done this and then it's just consistent it's just constant i feel you kyle i'm yeah. here supporting you you wish you were on a regular schedule and i wish that i had an in-unit washer and dryer but it's like yeah. you smell it and you're like oh i went i messed this up i, I beefed it <laughs> and then you try to do better next time i'm gonna be better yeah uh here's one here's another question no bits this one pretty serious from meta monster what's up min maxers I've been learning game design and trying to break into the industry. Something I've learned about that I had never heard of before is joining in joining this community of devs is game jams. 
These are short marathons to create a game as fast as possible. A lot of games from jams eventually become full-fledged games, like Hollow Knight, Celeste, Baba is You, etc. My question is, how come it seems the game journalism industry doesn't cover game jams often? It seems like a great way to point people towards indie developers through bite-sized games. Uh, so game journalism, like a lot of journalism on the internet now, relies on SEO. So you have to make a certain amount of, like games that have broader appeal or more vibrant SEO, like a Nintendo game, like Pikmin does, it is naturally going to be a topic that you're going to want to write about more because people are going to be searched for picking Pikmin. Like they're going to be searching for those terms and that's going to direct traffic to your site. And I think a consistent issue that I know people in the community, like people who are fans of games struggle with is like indie game exposure. How do I learn about indie games? And I feel like like multiple times every year, just all the time on social media, I hear people being like, why isn't there somebody covering indie games? And the answer is there are. There are so many podcasts, newsletters, there are streamers, like there are so many people actively covering indie games, but nobody knows who they are and they don't have huge audiences because the games that they cover don't have huge SEO. So that's the thing is like, one of the th most interesting things about wholesome games is that they they are this thing and they got big enough that now they can launch indie games based on their own wholesome games sort of uh, aesthetic and like SEO. Like they have enough of an audience centralized to get that. But like the answer is you're asking about like why don't why don't games it's it's a it's an order of magnitude where it's like big popular games are going to have more attention smaller indie games you can boost them but they are not going to boost you back game jam games are not even full games yet like the games that you mentioned went on to become games but like it it's not it's not a good investment of like game journalist time or money or energy to cover something that might be a game someday that's my wow. that's my angle on it. I don't know if Janet as another. You came in with hard truth from the start on it's, that one. It's genuinely it's yeah. genuinely I th this is the thing is like genuinely I always see people being like why don't people talk more about indie games? We want to learn about indie games. We want to play indie games and it's it's this is why. And and every time there's an indie game coverage site that goes down and like stops promoting, people are like, why why didn't this why aren't you doing this anymore? And it's like because there's no there's no money there, there's no attention, there's no support. That's not how the internet functions. And the internet functions bad now. Like it is bad that that everything has to be in order of magnitude. It has to be quantity over quality. But that is where SEO is at right now. Uh, from an artistic creation thing, which is really what a game jam is, right? It's a bunch of people in the same community making something. Why do you want a journalist there? I've seen a lot, like, <laughs> I just don't necessarily understand why you would want coverage. Like, I've seen a bunch of artistic communities I've been a part of. Like, I'm a full-time podcaster, seeing, like, people walk in being like, these are the best podcasts, and then it just causes problems, unless it's, like, capital C crit, right? And I've also seen this in other places. Like, I used to do slam poetry in college. Me too. And there was a, yeah, yeah, there was, like, I, Incredible. oh, I, I did it at NYU. I started, like, the college team there. And then there this was a, point, a really fun connection. Yeah. There, was a, there, was, there is. There was a point where they started this YouTube channel called Button Poetry began, where they started filming people. 
Yeah. Right. And then it, I know it got poetry. really Everyone big. knows about poetry. <laughs> I know those people. I mean, Janet, I've known those people from Minnesota. I know those people. And like they set up those cameras and then it, the whole thing changed because then it started being content creation starting to be, be popular. Once you start bringing in someone who can amplify an audience in, it changes the artistic uh, production. It changes the artistic mm. uh, process of what we're doing. So a game jam specifically, yeah. I would say people are just making stuff on a prompt. If I was worried about the New York Times writing it up, I would certainly do art different. And I've seen it both from like a from like a in, in various perspe- in various perspectives and various versions of the internet. Um, I uh, so Janet, I, I sorry, Janet said a hundred percent. But from the artistic perspective, I don't, I don't even want someone covering. Great, yeah, that's a great angle on that. Yeah, yeah, mine's I, like a combo of the two from what you each said. Where it's like for me, like as you know, I'm. I'm independent to a degree, you know, I'm not looking, anything I write about, I'm not getting money off of, like, my Petapixel site doesn't generate any income for me, like, I have Patreon to create that income, I'm not doing that for views, but even me, like, want, like, I'm not, you, that would be its own lane, you know, if someone decided, you know what, I want to focus on just what's going on in the indie game scene, I have a vertical on highlighting jams, I have a vertical on this, but even then, it's like, it doesn't make sense to from a from a content and artistic perspective to go too deep on wow this game jam game like I, like it's it's just a little quick project piece you know i've even done um i used to do like a series on my youtube channel that was like looking at like really odd games on itch.io playing them and just kind of seeing like what they have to offer mm-hmm. and you know i've had like i had a developer once be like oh man like oh i can't believe you even played like i'm kind of like i feel seen now that you like played my game like you know it's like <laughs> Not in a bad way, like they didn't like mind it necessarily, but it it and granted as a critic, I'm not too pressed about making creators stressed because you can't be. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, like it doesn't make sense to go in and I'm not gonna do a review of like a game jam game. Like it's meant to just be a a place for people to jam out and do their thing. Like that's why it's a jam. Like demos, sure, that's like a different story, like other but it just doesn't make sense. You know, if it was an event, like there's a context where that kind of stuff gets highlighted. But yeah, like that's why people aren't, you know, the best game jam game, It's not, it might not end up mattering, which is valid, but like it's not going to necessarily come to fruition, you know? Hmm. Is that Yeah, that's the thing is like I can think of like how to produce a game jam to make it full of drama. You know what I mean? You make it this tournament <laughs> style. The you drama people, jam? Oh my yeah, God. <laughs> make people care about who wins and like the sacrifices <laughs> the people are making and who loses and how sad they get. You know what I mean? You can no, produce it. So yeah. But it is it runs contrary to what the game jam is about, which is just have fun, just have a good time. And so in a way, I, I do feel like the coverage could ruin it in a way. Yeah, yeah for sure. The um, teacher walking in and being like, looking over your shoulder. It's like, oh, man. Like, and I used to teach, so I get it. But it's like, no one likes that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have a question, though, before we move on, uh, for Janet and Eric. Uh, Janet, excuse me. Um, about slam poetry, do you write your own stuff? Yeah. Uh, you both yeah. do? So you write your, your own did. stuff and then you perform it? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the way, so the slam, a poetry slam is actually a, is a, it's a competition. It's a structure. The The whole thing about the poems, like, there's no such thing as a slam poem, right? It is a poem you are ready to perform that has to be less than 30, than three minutes. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's the only parameter. The poetry slam is a competition structure for people to compete, whether individually mm-hmm. or on teams. It's, again, it's just a way in the, ni- in the late 90s, in the 90s and 2000s to get people to be interested in poetry. Yeah. And then it kind of blew up. 
right? With Deaf Poetry Jam, you might remember from HBO. And then it became like part of the fact like, oh, you can support artists in like the late, in the 2010s. You could tour and be a performing poet and all this stuff. And then there were Rises, there's the National Poet, there's NPS with Natural Poetry, Poetry Slam. And then, in, yeah, in college, I did the Cupsy, which was the collegiate stuff. Yeah. Basically, it was just like a whole thing. Cool. Uh, a whole thing like, it's a, it's like a sport, but it's yeah. performance poetry. So do you ever bomb? Do you ever go out there and just bomb? Yeah, because people can do scores. <laughs> yeah, I, I did oh. LTAB, which is technically like more of a youth thing. So I do think oh, the judges yeah. tend to like, they don't really tell you if you're bombing. They really don't give you, you know, blows. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to give a, a kid like a two. <laughs> they will give yeah. you like maybe like a seven. You know, it's like. It's the classic review conundrum, right? Um, for the older kids, like because LTAB also opened a college circuit, and I I did judge for one of those, and I I think people who know this show know that I just say if it's good, I'll say it's good, and if it's not, I won't. Um, but you know, it's like it's it's meant to be fun, playful, and contextual. Like whenever the judges score, everyone boos them. Like everyone boos the judge. The MC will always say like, "Hey, here are your judges," and then everyone boos. Like you're God, supposed to boo that. the judges. Yes. You're supposed people can get, they're like you'll give a poem a nine out of ten, and some people will still boo the judges because that's them yeah, that's showing true. the support for like the piece that's to that great. degree. But that. yeah, if you're if people are interested, I encourage everyone to check out the Louder Than a Bomb documentary. Um, it. Yeah, it shows like a lot of sort of what it is. It's an older documentary. Um, I know a lot of people or was tangent to a lot of people that are in the documentary because that was very much like a Chicago documentary. And it's funny seeing them little and I know them all grown up and stuff. But anyway, but yeah, it's it's really powerful and cool. And slam poetry, just like you said, it's poetry off the page. You could read anything and that's a slam poem if you're performing it. The point isn't the points. The point, the is, point the is the poetry. The point is the poetry. Yes, I have not said wow. that in so long. Yeah, dude. Oh it's my fun. gosh. Yeah. When I think of when I think of like a slam poet, I think of somebody who has very good posture, and you can never really get through to them. You know what I mean? So I was surprised to find two <laughs> slam poets here on our panel today. You know, like you know, you know the type. Just like yeah. yes, I love to I love to do my slam poetry. You know what I mean? Like oh wow. There is a self seriousness, obviously, to performance poets because like yeah. you need to one, you're trying to get people to understand what you're talking about, and then two. Because of the way the point system goes, usually someone needs to talk about their or the country or the world's trauma or a con- yeah. connection of it's all a, three. It's a Those little are bit easy of a trauma dump. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, yes so you can no. game it a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, also, yeah, like, a lot of those people have a lot of stuff to work, which, you know, I think that's a very natural like thing with art, right? Like, a lot of my pieces, especially, like, when I first started, were pretty dark. And the collection of poems I made in college are a dark collection, you know, they're like a little bit more um, meant for the page than my usual stuff. Like I had to think of, cause I was used to performing. So you don't have to worry about like, you know, where are you placing commas and things? Cause I'm going to read it the way that I want you to hear it. When you write the struggle is, I don't know what voice you're using to read this. So I'm going to try to make my voice through punctuation and spacing and all these other things. But it's been a long time since I wrote. Um, I competed from, Freshman year of high school to senior year of college. So eight years I was competing in. But anyway, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Here's a cute question from Stephen Toth. If Nintendo turned the town you grew up in into the next Mario Kart 8 DLC city track, what would be the predominant feature or obstacle 
In the course. The bean. Chicago, the bean. You drive underneath uh, it. You have to. The oh, artist. the chrome? The, the big weird chrome bean? Yeah, it's called yeah, yeah. Like, cloud it, like, gate. city gate or cloud, cloud gate. gate. Yeah, it's the bean. You know, it's fine. The, the artist can deal with it. He'll be okay. Or they'll be okay. I don't know. No, the Switch can't even, could not render that thing. No. Real-time reflections the whole but way you're wondering. Okay, but like, what if they, they could, they can figure something They'd out. They fake it. They yeah. could put like For some, sure. some lights underneath it to make it like, I don't know, but that's what they have. They gotta. That's what I want to see. Yeah, you know. Like yeah, you gotta drive off Navy Pier into the water. <laughs> yes, like because that's the, that's the point of getting. It's like things you can't do in real life. You can't drive under that thing. <laughs> like you know, like but. I'm surprised there wasn't a Chicago one in Mario Kart Tour. Again, I don't really know what cities they're choosing. Like, it's it's confusing to follow. Yeah, I'm just trying to look up Chicago. It's that Mario classic. Kart uh, you know, it's in the Midwest, so it's just forgotten. You know what I mean? Like they're going all international, all coasts. The coastal elite, as I enjoy being a part of now, but you know, I remember my roots, my Midwestern roots. Okay, I went to college in Iowa. All right. <laughs> I think for St. Louis, it would be the St. Louis Arch, and you would drive up yes. and up to yes. the top and down over it again. And it would absolutely, be cool. that would be very cool. The drop would be bonkers <laughs> i would love that so much that drop is so steep it's and real. you know what the, the way up should be slow too that'd be cool like a roller coaster style yeah you're yeah, fighting you against really the gravity have to fight your way up and then it's just like yeah. and then it probably launch you i would assume it would launch you over the mississippi river into illinois <laughs> i uh visited st louis for the first time last year mm -hmm. my friends just went there on a whim that arch is like uh scary Basically, you tuck your all of your five friends into these like really tiny, freaky gondola elevators that yeah, very <laughs> slowly rise up this actual um, arch. It's so scary. Yeah, it's great. And then it you is can great see, though. You can get to the top. You peek out the little windows, and you're like, "Yeah, there's that state that I'm still in, and that other state Do that recommend. I'm not in." It's thrilling. Uh, from where I grew up, I grew up in the kind of like an hour and a half north of New York City. So in Golden's Bridge, New York. So I think that would be fun for you to drive through the woods in the first lap. And the second lap, you're driving through a Metro North train, uh, which is the commuter train to go to New York City. Yeah. And then the third one, you end up driving all the way through Grand, Cent Grand Central Station. That'd be uh, cool. That would be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. But yeah. of course they won't do it because Mario Kart's not about doing interesting stuff. <laughs> wow. It's about making... We didn't even talk about the, the, the fact that the new stage was a bathroom. <laughs> So weird. <laughs> oh, wait, what? I love the bathroom. Hold on now. Hold on now. I love my, my favorites. You you drive through a, a weird, hairy, dirty pipe from your to from your like bath to the it's sink. Cute. It's weird. Yeah. There's the a little way they're the towels in yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. The major <laughs> feature the is the fact that the toilet is broken <laughs> in laps two and three. Yeah. Weird. It's weird. The towels look good though. For your, to answer your question, the towels look okay. great. <laughs> So rendered pristine clean. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no smears or crust or anything. They look fine. Um, let's do one more little quick one um, from Lamb Dance. Hey, Min Max. With a whole phenomena of people dressing in pink for Barbie, have you ever gone all out for your outfit to a pop culture event? Barbie. <laughs> Did, Did you, you all dress out for, up Barbie? for Barbie? Yeah. I mean, I didn't buy anything separate because I'm trying to avoid these event purchases as many people I'm sure have been plagued by where it's like you buy that one thing and it's like, it's just for this one event. Uh, yeah, I had like a, I have this like pink sprinkly covered dress. If we do this broadcast, I'll wear it again. And I have these sparkly boots that frankly, they're not that comfortable, but I love them because they're sparkly boots. 
And whenever I wear them, like, I always get compliments on them, and they're, like, the greatest shoes on earth. I just wish that my foot was shaped a little differently to enjoy them. But, yeah, I was dressed up for Barbie, and I was not alone. I went to the 10 p.m. viewing, like, the night before the technical, like, release thing, you know? Um, And, yeah, it was packed with people dressed for Barbie, and people, like, came, like, hardcore for it. It was really nice. Oh my! We all wore pink to it. That was our. Yeah. That was our. None of us had like good Barbie outfits, but we all did wear pink. Uh, I remember when the Dark Knight return or when the Dark Knight. Yeah, it was when the Dark Knight came out. Uh, I got. Did you any of you play the ARG for the Dark Knight? You remember the ARG for the Dark Knight? Oh, the no. Harvey Dent thing, right? Yeah. yeah. What is this? There Ooh. was an elaborate ARG for the Dark Knight back when companies thought ARGs would be good branding and <laughs> merchandising stuff for the Dark Knight, and it was like really elaborate and well done. Uh, and really intense and people got really into it. Anyway, I did that leading up to the Dark Knight, so I was super, super hyped for it. Uh, I was just like really emotionally invested and I did dress up. I, I had a Halloween costume that was punk rock Batgirl uh, back when that was also a popular thing to do in cosplay <laughs> in the late 2000s, nice. the punk rock variant of a, of a character. And so I remember dressing up and then going to the midnight release of the movie and then hating the movie and being there in my outfit and just like <laughs> melting. Wait, as was I this the Dark Knight it. or Dark Knight Rises? It was the Dark Knight. It was the one with the Joker, which I did wow, not care for. Really? And, and wow, really? Re- I haven't rewatched it, so I'm not prepared to defend that- my stance on it. Oh my gosh! Can I? I don't want to set you up here because I know it's like a very beloved movie, so I'm sure a lot of people will be like, no, 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 no. And for some reason, I've not enjoyed like the general movie internet community. I feel like anytime I say anything, they're like, "Did you not like it? Did you not understand it? Are you dumb?" And I'm like, "No, yeah. come." Calm down. Did you make the movie? What is that? <laughs> what what didn't you like about it? Now I feel like I'm in that, that Family Guy clip. Okay, be honest. What didn't you like about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been so long. It's almost hard for me to articulate. But I did, well, I didn't love, I just didn't love any of the stuff they did with Harvey Dent. And then yeah. killing mm. off Rachel in order. And like, because the whole movie. Also, spoilers for the movie. <laughs> well, it's, it's been. Old, it's been. 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 It's just so clear from the start that Rachel's only real role in the movie was to be terrorized by the Joker. And so. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not yeah. wrong. Well, it's a Christopher Nolan. It's a Christopher Nolan movie. Wrong. That's what yeah. women does in his movie. Yeah, that's, that's it, basically. Like, that's a big part of it. And so it's just like I don't know it it, I, it it was right at the moment where I stopped being awed by the masculine spectacle of hyper violent movies like that movie was right on the cusp of it so whereas Batman Begins was just like s- such a great exploration of Batman this one just felt like this needless weird sad gritty nightmare experience <laughs> did you just, watch the the last batman movie i did yeah the the one with cat that woman. With robert patterson yeah, yeah. oh no the one yeah, with robert. robert pattinson uh also just a mess <laughs> what a mess of a movie but i love robert pattinson the, the something in the way didn't do something in the way you were like nah i'm good <laughs> no i appreciate no that stuff's fine yeah i appreciate the way <laughs> in each each batman movie is a perfect uh, thumbprint of the era in it was in which it was made. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate that about all, every Batman movie. Are but. you going to keep like watching them? Because you know, I mi- you mentioned like, oh, I didn't like this one. Are you just kind of like, I'm going to always check in and see what's up, or are you going to be like, yes. you know what, I think I'm done. 
No, I hit that point with Marvel movies because there were so many of them. I, I, yes. I, I like, Starlight. yeah, I, I, I'm not necessarily emotionally invested in any of these franchises anymore. Like, I just, I, I haven't been a hardcore comics book reader for many for like a decade now uh and so i like to check in with it but i hit a point with like marvel where there were just too many i don't think i'm gonna hit that point with dc comics because they just don't put out as many and yeah i just don't watch all of them like i haven't really watched any of the justice league stuff uh i, I check in with batman because i was so hardcore a batman fan that's the thing, Jenna. It's a sad story because it's, it's not only like the last Batman movie you looked forward to. It also sounds like the last time you dressed up. It was probably the last time I dressed up. It was probably the last yeah. time I went and saw a midnight movie. Uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> man! Uh, I can't imagine. Like it's sad, but also like I I would be lying if I didn't say it was also intensely funny to think that you're going <laughs> yes. back. Yeah, you know, you were like, because you were like already older when the movie was out. You yeah. know, it was just to like, you know, hang up the cave one last yeah, time. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's that's funny. Sadly, sadly <laughs> taking off my, happened my to you, but It is a funny image. <laughs> the one comic book panel of Spider-Man where Spider-Man throws yes, the, throws in the, the garbage can. It's Jenna throwing her cosplay <laughs> in the trash. Genuinely, yeah, that vibe. I don't have any pieces of that cosplay anymore, yeah. To, to touch on the Marvel thing so, so quickly... Think about Barbie as like as Thor Ragnarok or Black Panther, like taking IP and and someone with with vision making it. And then think about like the other Marvel movies that have been coming out recently, and that could be every other Mattel movie coming out. It's Watch kind of out! A bad example for that. Like I don't. Yeah, this is a weird poll. I didn't. Right? I, Black Thor. Panther, I'll grant you, but Thor, yeah, Black Black, Black Panther and Thor, like well, the, <laughs> it was made with like some, it was made with the director's an intention, yeah. and mm. they doing their thing within the IP. That's always what everyone is pushing. Sure. But, but the, the it's only, Barbie it can only movie be was successful. good, and the Black Panther movie was good, and I don't, I was not. And then the Thor, Thor movie. Ragnarok. <laughs> some some people were taking their costume off after that Thor movie. I don't know. I just feel, I just feel <laughs> like a lie from that. I thought people like Ragnarok. I'm not Ragnarok, talking about Love and Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Not, not Love and Thunder. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok was the first sure. funny one where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This you know is what a cool sucks new, about this about talking about Thor movies is like. And I think I saw maybe one of them. Is like there's always that converse, and this is what I hate about even having. It's like I'm like, which one's the good, the bad one, or the good one? Yeah. And then everyone it might have a different answer. And then I'm like, I watched <laughs> one that was really bad, and they're like, you watched the bad one, but did I watch the bad one, or do I? Did I think the good one was bad? Like it's, I just walk away from it at that point. And I'm like, and I love too, many, movies, too many, too many. Thor is. Thor has got a is the tangled dust. The confusing part is now pe- Marvel people on the internet want to tell you that Thor, the dark, the one with the weird dark elves, was actually good, but that was the super bad one, <laughs> and that's too. where yeah. it gets confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah Thor, there's the a lot of layers yeah. there. There's a lot of layers there, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Eric, have you ever? Did you ever go all out dressing up? Not really dressing culture. up. I do remember the last time I think I saw a midnight movie was or that i can remember was uh oh no way i did dress up for that i saw the great gatsby uh the one with leo in it at midnight yeah and i did dress up a little 1920s for it Ooh, that's great okay. these are that's great answers that's so fun yeah it's a really good one <laughs> did you like the movie I mean, like, it, from now that I understand Boz Lerman and, like, seeing sure. it, I'm like, well, yeah, it totally makes sense for him to do all this spectacle. It totally makes sense. Are it you, like, 
It was Sorry. weird watching it and being like, why are they singing along to Jay-Z? <laughs> I have the same thought that Jay-Z pan in the car yeah, never car, sat yeah. with me right, but I see what you mean. Uh, so were you like a hardcore Gatsby fan and that's why you're like, I'm I'm showing out for Gatsby? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm it's doing that thing for Jay-Gatsby. Cla- yeah, it's my favorite. Me too. Is the Gatsby there, there's like some weird overlap here. I think we were separated somewhere along the family tree because we have like a little, uh, some Boy really specific... Gatsby literature things in common yeah like uh, gary gatsby is like my favorite book ever it's so good yeah i would say if there's any like any piece of art i i'm really annoyed that i missed there was a uh theatrical production called gats which is where a guy raids all of the great gatsby on stage for like six hours and it's like really well known as a theatrical production i really wish i had seen it It, it's it's wild oh I'll do mine really quick. Uh, we saw in Entertainment Weekly, there was a movie coming up called Dragon Wars. My group of friends. Yeah. And we all said, nobody look up anything about Dragon Wars. We're going to be there midnight, the first opening. We're all going to wear shirts that say Dragon Wars. And like we also we all like made custom D-Wars shirts like we're super fan of Dragon Wars. And then we were there were like two other people in the theater, but we all arrived like we're the biggest fans in the world. This was very funny to my ironic group of friends, but like it was not a good movie. Then we like watched D Wars, which is not a good movie at all. There's no dragon until the last five minutes. So, uh, man. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those like I'm like very used to bombing bits. You know what I mean? That was like one of our worst bits where it's like this is going to be hilarious. And then you're like in the theater and you're like, oh, this this sucks. Um, really quick, Eric, can you say like the top 10 worst bits in the voice you've been doing the whole show? Uh. (laughs) Top 10 worst bits from Kyle Bozeman and his friends. Number 10, D-War. Yeah, and then number number nine would be like hopping into the podcast and making fun of Picross for the first two minutes. That would be number nine. Uh, let me do one more. One right, more that, comment. Was, that was you. That was oh my gosh! Yeah, that bombs. I could not believe how bad that bombs. I thought I, I thought it was back. I can't even. I'm still thinking about it, man. It's like you're in your podcast always. You're supposed to let stuff like that go, but like, man, I'm still thinking about. It. Anyway, uh, one more really quick one. This is not a question. This is from Villis. Uh, not a question, but I just want to say thanks for selecting me for the Sennheiser microphone contest once it arrives and i mess around with it a bit i'll try and share what i'm doing with it i know the cliche thing is to say oh i never win these things but what i always say about any contest or competition is the only way to guarantee you don't win is by not entering enter all the contests you can for free this is not to endorse gambling (laughs) and you'll win (laughs) some great stuff smiley emoji cool i thought that was neat yeah hell yeah uh, well, because of that comment, I'm going to download so many Gashapon games right now. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, they, they said no money. They said no money. <laughs> I also want to say, as a podcaster, that mic's good. good. Yeah, awesome. I'm using it I'm now. I'm so happy. It I'm sounds so like an ad, but I'm yeah. sad that I wasn't using it last week because it would have been great promo for the giveaway. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, really fun getting to give that item away. Like, I'm running our socials, so I run our giveaways. And I said it on Twitter, but I genuinely was really moved by everyone's replies by what they do with the mic. Like... I really I'm like, oh, I wish we had more microphones because everyone just had like really wholesome stuff about their ideas for content or like, I'd give this to my nephew for like his gaming channel or like little things like that. I thought were really sweet. Um, but I do want to plug to our next giveaways coming up and we got a couple in the pipeline. The one running right now uh, is up on Twitter, threads and Instagram. 
it is for four-day PAX West badges, so immense value. Uh, we have a total of five passes to give away. I'm doing two on Twitter, two on Threads, and one on Instagram. So if you want to get the best chance, you can hit all those. Debated whether or not I should say five across all. I, I, did, I wrote it like two and two and one. I don't know what the best way to do it was, but um, check that out. It's on you know all those subsequent pages. I'll have stuff. Well, Jenna will the kindly link stuff in the description. Um, and I'm going to pick the winner on Monday and hand that information over. So um, hit that up if you're interested in that. Uh, and if not, keep an eye on our socials because we have other giveaways coming up. And if you win, you can come see me because I'm going to be at PAX. So I'll be out on the floor just walking around looking at stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So keep an eye out for me. Back to everyone's favorite segment. Get a load of this! Some guy on his couch yelling back at his wife. Get a load of this. Like, something's on TV. Get a load of this. <laughs> but then they say something really nice. Like, this is, look at this wholesome piece of information. Look at this beautiful dog! Yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, what, what do we have to share this week? What do we got to get a load of this? One. Do you want me to go first? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I'll go first. This is a this is a tweet or a exit or an X or whatever we're calling it now from May at Maya Koopa, Anthony Oliveira, uh, which I thought was interesting. You know, there's kind of like a trend now of the big bad in whatever video game or a tabletop RPG campaign um, is, is that capitalism is the big bad, right? But it turns out that this has been something that's been in literature for a very long time, just like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Hmm. May Koopa says, the third horseman is commonly known as famine, but he specifically does not blight crops, does not damage food. His weapon is the scales and destroys not by weather or worm, but by market manipulation. Ooh. A closer name might be inflation or capitalism or bread fixing. Which I thought was super interesting, our idea of famine in through this version of the Bible is this translation is just that it's actually more about like people not being able to afford wheat and seeing the weapons of the scales. Also, anytime that I get to read parts of uh, the Christian Bible that I've never heard before is extra funny for me. <laughs> so I'm just like, this stuff's wild, man. It's really wild. So yeah, the big bad was always uh, capitalism, even back to the four horsemen, even in the Bible. Makes sense. Wait, what are the other ones? Uh, like war, death, yeah. death, Pestilence, uh, I think, is the pestilence. Story. Sure, good memory. What are the loads we got? I hate that you said it that way, but I guess I'll go next. It's like laundry uh, loads. No, 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 no. Think of laundry. Think of us doing laundry here. Um, I try not to get a load of this. All right, um, get a load of this. Mine is from the Mario Encyclopedia that I very impulsively and feverishly bought and then did not open for the longest time. But I was reading up on Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins, a game that I've loved for what feels like my lifetime. Played it since around when it came out, played it again since then. Apparently that game has an easy mode, which I did not know about. If you are on the load screen and you hit select, it says easy mode and Mario becomes a little bit smaller. And apparently it makes it so that some of the enemies are easier to kill. I think some of the bosses become one-hit bosses, which is oh, yeah. especially fascinating in a game like that that's secretly a little bit challenging, which is like how you have to win, where if you get a game over at the end, like the coins go back to the bosses in a very Soulsian way. <laughs> um, yeah, had that game for my whole life and never knew that. Talked to other people that played the game. They didn't know that. So that's my that's share. I was really surprised by that. It's, it's very, really messed it's a, up to hide your easy hidden. mode. <laughs> it's, yeah. weird, it's weirdly hidden. Yeah. Um, 
uh, might get a load of this is that Emily Carroll, who, if you're not familiar with her, she's an incredible horror graphic novelist, artist, writer. Uh, and she's got a new horror comic coming out. It's been a couple years since her last one, but it's coming out mid-August. It's called A Guest in the House. And I haven't even read it yet, but I'm recommending it because Emily Carroll's work is so incredible. The only thing I don't like about her work is that it's she's not prolific enough and there's not more of it. So <laughs> as my recommendation is to uh, pre-order A Guest in the House. And in the meantime, if you haven't read Through the Woods, that was, I think, the last graphic novel she did. And that was a while ago. But that is an incredible... If you like, if you like Junji Ito, if you like spooky... Uh, if you like uh, Angela Carter, like creepy, terrifying horror folklore stories, Emily Carroll, you got to check her out. Uh, I love the summary of this book. I'm on the publisher page. It is wild. Can I read it, Janet? Yeah, please uh, do. Janet, yeah, I yeah. want to step on your please do. get a load of this on your load. Um, in Emily Carroll's haunting adult graphic novel story, I guess in the house, a young woman marries a kind dentist only to realize there's a dark mystery surrounding his former wife's death. Let's go. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, she does a lot of body horror stuff. So if you don't like teeth stuff, watch out. Because this mm. book sounds like it's going to have some teeth stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I got to get a load of this from the MinMax community, straight from the Discord. The one I'm picking is uh, the announcement this week of DreamWorks All-Star Kart Racing. Why not? On Mario Kart Week. Talk oh. about this this new from Game Mill Entertainment, one of the <laughs> leading licensed <laughs> games developers. It's called Game publishers. Mill. It's called Game. game... Mill is the name of yeah, the as if we just as if we just churn them. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's got Shrek on the cover, but you know, there's a uh, you know, there's a uh, Kung Fu Panda in there. DreamWorks has a bunch of animated features. I think they did uh, Bad Guys. Yeah, yeah, getting some nods. They did bad guys. So that's a. I mean, what's crazy is these games don't exist anymore, but they absolutely do. Yeah. Uh, Boolean, thank you for drawing our attention to the announcement of that title. I really appreciate it. Um, some people there's, in the YouTube chat are saying Kyle Hilliard worked there, <laughs> so he used to work works there. Apparently. there? Yeah, that's what oh no no okay yeah 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 it's like we're not it's still cool it, game mill's cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nah. tough name, and Kyle nah. Hilliard's great. Ah, if they let Kyle Hilliard go, then they can't be that good. Oh, uh, worked worked with a D. Okay. Worked. Yes, past tense. Yeah, he doesn't work there oh, anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't mm -hmm. think so. Okay. Right. No, he doesn't work there anymore. He works at Game Informer, which yeah. is confusing yeah. in its own way. <laughs> um, and then finally, my get a load of this is um, a reality series that I let's like I watch this every week. It's called um, Claim to Fame. Oh my and it's a God. competition show oh, no. where all the people competing are related to somebody famous. And the way you lose is somebody points at you and says, I know who your famous relative is. It's Eddie Murphy. And then like, is it? And then they're like the reveal. And then if it is after Eddie Murphy, you have to leave the reality show. <laughs> yeah. I've seen close um, of this on TikTok. <laughs> what's crazy is like, it's just like game design wise, so poorly designed because if you are a competitor who has a very famous celebrity and you look like them, you're doomed. You can't win. If you are, if your celebrity relative is like not that famous, you're in really good shape. So like somebody's got a NASCAR relative and like nobody knows who it is. They have all the clues, right? There's like, okay, number 24. It was an advertiser was a beer. Who is this? They have no idea. You know what I mean? And so like, uh, 
It's a, just like one of the most poorly designed competitive game shows I've ever seen. And yeah. yet I watch that every week. I kind of love the deductive reasoning of that. This feels like um, there was a dating show on MTV where like everyone supposedly had their perfect match and they had to figure it out what their match, what their matches were. And I kind of like the, like the ceremony is like some thinking component, but it sounds like the deductive reasoning is like masked singer level where Ken Jeong is like, it's Mickey Mouse. And like, it's not, he can't be Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse is not a person. Actually, the producers kind of, they really mess some people over, right? Where it's like, they give out hints. And like, sometimes the hints are like, hey, he was in, he 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 sat on a green bench in a movie. It's like, oh, okay, so it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like, okay, you know, like, sometimes the producers, the hints are like actually way too obvious. And they just kind of torpedo a competitor. You lose $100,000, you don't win. I, I mean, feel like the I, price should be higher in this economy. <laughs> I think so. They too. don't need it. They're also, they don't have to, to do anything. People. They just say, yeah. Actually, hmm. no, I the, the power should be nothing, actually. <laughs> yeah, it should be nothing. You're right. <laughs> think about it. The I was like, uh, not a show. Exactly. Yeah. You get to be here another week. I'm and, sorry. Like, I got I got so pro people getting money, I forgot these people pro- are probably very, very, very fine off and don't need any help. <laughs> actually, no one should get anything. <laughs> That's the other thing is like some people aren't, you know what I mean? You can be you can be related to a famous person and not being doing that well. You know what I mean? How related so, do you have to be to them to be on really the show? close. They could be uncles. They got we got some uncles. Okay. They got some uncles, but a lot of them are brother, sister, father, okay. do- uh, mother. Okay, like, yeah. That's yeah. that's a little too close for for cash for me. I don't know. Yeah. One, I agree, one I of agree. the the guests ho- the get the host is the fourth Jonas brother. And I, I think he's probably doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh yeah. People knew who he was, specifically that guy. Like he's like part of their marketing. He's a host. He's not he's not a contestant. But he's the oh, least, he's a host. He's the yeah. least famous yeah. Jonas brother, so he's yeah. the perfect one. But uh, one of the one of the other Jonas brothers is a co-host. Like that's okay, the kind yeah. of dynamic they have. Yeah. I think I know his name. He's doing fine. I think Franklin. <laughs> is it Franklin? It's Franklin Jonas. Okay. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. I will say, somewhat shifting gears, and I failed to call this out in a more timely fashion because I am not Jeffum, unfortunately. I am a different J. We did not pick a question winner. Oh my goodness, we do that. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. We're ra- capping off this podcast. Let's do it. Let's pick a question winner. Um, obviously, the towel question did generate a lot of conversation. Um, I liked the whatever led to the slam poetry stuff. But of course, that's my biases. It's always fun when I see a fellow poet in Discord. That was the I, game jam question. It was the game yeah. jam question, yeah. I think I'm with towel. I think the answer is towel from my vibe, from the vibes I understand on behalf of the of listening to the show that you reward the the one. I know about people li- airing themselves out. I know. I hate to. I hate to say that it was. T- that's why I'm like. Let me throw something that's not towel. No offense to towel question asker. You you did good work. It's just the, the female good, the female know? audience game was a really good question. Yeah. But I also, as a man, do not want to say we should reward that yeah. unless y'all thought that that was a good conversation. I mean, I, I think it. there were a lot of good conversations. Like I really liked what like Jenna brought up there. I liked the the game jam one. Also had some good stuff. Um, I, I guess Jenna, are you leaning jam. on any of them? Let's do the game, game jam. jam. Okay, one. yeah, I like that. Right. Let's do that. Yeah, thoughtful, let's do it. thoughtful yeah, cool. question. Yeah. Congrats to a Medi Monster. Who, yeah, is, has and it started off like I've been learning game design. Like, good luck. Go, go, go get it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're, a little you're, yeah. at first. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's scary to be out there. Yeah. Right. And that's what that's what's so scary to start. And so if you've even started, you've taken the impossible first step. So, heck oh, yeah. yeah. 
Um, speaking of impossible first steps, so let's talk about our plugs and promotions here at the end of the podcast. What do we all? Uh, what do we all uh, got to promote this week? Uh, I've got nothing going on. <laughs> uh, we're we're like I said, we're talking about doing a spoiler cast. I think that's going to happen next week, so that everybody has had a chance to watch it. So keep an eye out for yeah. that next week. Cool. Yeah, I appreciated throughout this conversation how you didn't get too into it. You were yeah. you were basically like surface level for all that stuff. Appreciate that. I'm not usually here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so please, like, tell yeah, us who you are and what you, you do and where to find you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. yeah. Uh, listen, you could go listen to me on podcasts. Uh, my name is Eric Silver. I make a lot of shows. Uh, I'm the dungeon master of Join the Party, an actual play Dungeons and Dragons show. We're currently doing a campaign set in a world of plant and bug people. It's pirates. It's kind of like Redwall and Plants vs. Zombies meets One Piece. Is really fun. It's really fun, and I love doing it. And I'm also the best DM in podcasting, so you're really going to enjoy that. <laughs> I also do other shows like Games and Feelings and Games Advice Show, which Janet has been on, which Jenna has been on, yeah. which Ben Hansen has been on, which uh, Jacob Geller has been on. So anyone from Minmax, please come on. It's always fun. It's always fun to do this together. <laughs> um, and tell me about it, which is kind of like a Taskmaster, but for podcasts where people need to come on and bring the thing that they love the most, and they have to like go through our maniacal game show as run by a multi-billion. <laughs> Adel Rafai is our multi-billionaire, the Chicago Improver. You might know him. And if any of y'all are in the UK, I'm doing a live show in Manchester uh, oh, in a few whoa. weeks on August 19th. I'm pretty sure uh, <laughs> August 19th at 7:30 at the Empty Space in, uh, which is a performance venue in Media City, UK, in Manchester. I'm doing it with Amanda McLaughlin, my wife, who also makes podcasts, Jasper Cartwright, who does the show Three Black Halflings, and a special UK guest. Any of y'all are out there? Please, I'd love to see you. And you can find me on the internet uh, on Twitter at L underscore Silvero. And also I'm on TikTok at the, uh, Eric the Silver. I've really been enjoying TikTok. It's been so much fun. TikTok fun. Hell yeah. 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 That was that was um, a nice personal promotion. That was really good. Uh, what is what is the live show? Live show, it's it's for games and feelings. So games and feelings, we usually ask game, game advice questions for any types of games. Video games, tabletop RPG, sports, board games escape rooms etc and then we're reality competition shows yeah oh competition shows are on there yeah we talked a lot about like love island and survivor great awesome Uh, that totally counts as a game so we're going to answer some advice questions and also we're going to do some game show stuff as well but it's also like it's the first time i've ever been to the united kingdom so i'm super stoked about that and it's certainly the first time that i have ever performed in uh over in the, in a different continent. Uh, I'm also the head of creative of Multitude, which is a podcast collective studio and ad sales provider. Um, so the, the, I'm doing it like on behalf of a bunch of shows as well. So it's kind of just like a whole thing. So the whole conversation about like art and money and making a living in digital creation, that means quite a lot to me as another, as another uh, person who's supported by ads and audience support and a uh, Patreon and memberful and all that stuff. Like that stuff really matters to me. And I remember just like, Minmax, when y'all got ads, I was super, I was excited for you and like trying to figure that out. And we talked to Ben a little bit. So, um, it, yeah, I mean, I love being on here again. I'm a patron. I love listening to the podcast and, uh, yeah, please. I'll come back. So I'm, I'm moving on Tuesday. So my background <laughs> has been all of my boxes. Usually it looks way better, but I had ditto vanillish here the entire time. Nice. Emotional my little facing you even. It looks like, it looks like when you picked it up, you turned it. So I get the impression that ditto was facing you the entire time. It was right here the whole time. But uh, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, and also uh, thank you for allowing me to guest host. Stumble through this one. Next week's going to be even better, no doubt. To It'll everyone, great, Kyle. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> that uh, cross bit in the beginning was bad, but you really bounced back. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Like, man, dude, I really beefed that. But I'll be back here next week and for three more weeks until your regular host Ben Hansen has returned. So until then, be good, have fun. Let's go.